everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight, we're being invaded by the other two, Owen. Uh, they're coming on to uh, to talk with us, maybe yell at us, debate with us. I, oh, I don't no, know. No, what no, else? No, 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 no. Those two don't get to come on here and yell at us, because I'm <laughs> yelling on this show. Uh, all okay. right? Only you. And then I if forgot. I get you fired up, you can do the yelling, all right? Those two can oh, come I'm on here and do themselves. Tonight, Owen. God damn right. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the carpet python Holy world. Shit. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, it was but, it was an interesting day in Oh my goodness. Morelia. It and it and it, yeah. it snowballed out of control rather quickly. It did. Um, I mean I had a You had a what? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a meeting at 9 a.m., and uh, uh-huh. I went into the meeting, and it was like, I, oh, everything's quite happy. And then I got out at, like, noon, and on the way back to the office, you know, I stopped for lunch, and I'm checking up on things. I'm like, oh, what the hell happened? So it, well, that – Things got a yeah. little – Things got a little exploded all over the place, so, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that escalated quickly. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to get into that. Uh uh, yeah, a little bit um, after we get uh, those guys uh, up and going. Um, uh, I guess real quick, um, before they jump on, uh, it is official for me, uh, uh, 2017 Northeast Carpet Fest will be held in, um, shit, now I forget where I'm moving to. Oh, oh my God. God. No, 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 no. This is like an oh award show God. where you're fumbling with a goddamn envelope. Uh, it's freaking Warminster. Uh, it's freaking Warminster. Uh, I, to- I, I totally where you live. <laughs> I totally jacked that like, up. <laughs> yeah. All that, uh, all that, like, pausing for emphasis and shit. I mean. Yeah. Totally screwed um, it up. We, we lost it now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 2017 Northeast Carpet Fest will be held at your brand new house in Warminster. Yes. Congratulations, yes. my friend. You have a, it, it is an awesome house, by the way. Yes. And I've only ever seen uh, two parts of it. The pool, the bar, and what will be the snake room. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I assume the rest of it is good. I don't, that's, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm well, sorry we're like you bought it if the rest is crap. So, well, yeah, it's uh, you know, we were going back and forth on whether or not how many bedrooms we should get, and you know, blah blah blah. We don't have kids, so <clears throat> really, yeah. we only need one. But uh, this place got has four, and uh, I said, well, more than likely, um, I'm gonna have three people that may need a place to crash. So that would be Owen. Uh, oh, you know, I Bill, awesome. <laughs> Bill and, and Nick, and you know, Matt is going to have to sleep with you, Owen, or something like that, unless he prefers to, nah, you know, to it. it's all right. yeah. bed up with the silverback. Uh, if he beds up with the silverback, <laughs> he's on his own. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, nah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about the reptile room more than anything. <laughs> I know that's pretty, uh, pretty funny, but, uh, yeah. Well, um, it, 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 I mean, the, the place you're buying the house from, they had like a barber shop, like a salon attached. It was to a salon. The, the house. The yeah. house. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're dealing with like what? Linoleum floors and it's plumbed with a sink in it. Um, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, you're already halfway there. You're already yeah. halfway there. That's already yeah. fantastic. And it, can, and it can be expanded upon, which is probably a bad thing, but uh, you know. Um, and then the other cool thing is uh, I'm going to have uh, a little uh, studio thing. And hopefully at that point uh, we can work out our options. Get of, the computer uh, thing finally. Yeah, <laughs> where we can do the podcast. Um, well, I, because I we had nothing but trouble into, logging in, you know. <laughs> I know, right? And I, I dialed in with the computer to the HD sound, and I could hear you. And I'm, like, screaming into my microphone, and you were like, hello. Hello. And I'm like, there's no way he cannot hear me. Like, there's no way. Even if he's trying to pull, like, a really good gag on me, he is broken by now. So, right. it's like, yeah. So. Yeah. So, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty things. excited about it. But, uh, you know, so what's going on with you? I am on day 60 of a clutch. Today is day 60. On uh, the yes, I never get to day sixty. Never wow. ever get to day sixty. I'm like fifty five, fifty six. You start seeing tips, and then everybody kind of kind of works their way out. But to not have a single pip on day sixty is so weird to me. I've never gone this far. So, and how do the eggs look? How do they look? They're plumped. Like they're pumped up. They're not like. If it was day 60 and these things were, like, shriveled up, it'd be like, okay, we're going to go day or two after. But they're, like, still plumped up. Like, there's maybe very, very minimum denting to huh. a few of them. So, Man, you better prehistoric pet that shit. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Why? Why? I, oh, listen, now, and I, and I put that – I threw that up on my Facebook as a gag. And every person who I expected to weigh in on it did. And, yeah. like, and, and, and so, so predictable. And I'm like, exactly. I'm like, there you all are. So it's yeah. like, and and a lot of them, and I think a lot of them took it to that it was a gag as well because they were talking about how, you know, oh, man, you should have sliced those big open on day 37 or some stuff like that. So it, it's just one of those things. But some people would be really concerned, and I guarantee you there's some guy out there who wouldn't have been able to go past, like, if this is day 60, tomorrow there'd be a razor blade uh, around some eggs. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I wish you best of luck with that. I know Chris Alemi, he had, I think it was like 72 days. Yeah, but um, those were I, I doing internal incubation. These are... That that's a field no. I've never. I can't even. It wasn't IJ. No, it wasn't maternal incubation. I don't. I, no, I no, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't. Know. I, just, uh, I just assumed everything. I just assumed everything Chris Lemmy does did this, does is IJs with maternal incubation because that's all I ever hear about. Oh. <laughs> that, that could, well, that you're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, you're oh, not paying okay. attention. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, let's. We're not. We don't have to do the uh, the the uh, you know the the introduction of the guests and all that stuff because uh, you know Bill's been on here before. So Buddy's going to be calling in in a couple minutes. But let's get Bill on chat with us as we talk on here. Bill, welcome back to MPR. How you doing? Hey, 
Hey guys, doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, hey Owen. Um, I saw yeah. that video earlier today on Facebook of you uh, playing Pokemon Go. Uh, it looked like you were having looked like you were having a, a lot of a lot of fun. I I always am. I hope you won. I hope you won some of those Pokemon things. I did. Looked like you're having a lot of. I always have, of course. (laughs) No wonder he's so cheery tonight. I was wondering what was going on, but tonight he's like pumped up because you know drinking heavily. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, I'm glad to hear that I at least garner a bedroom in the new place. Heck yeah, man! Because, Because you were you guys were both treated well. You know, when you came down to Texas, there was no buddy the part enough. That I remember. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No. You get your own room, Bill. Owen's on his own. Owen will sleep in oh. sleep in the car with Buddy. I yeah. yeah, I'll lock myself in the car. I'm not stupid. So He's uh he's gonna bunk up with the silverback. He's he's got no uh Yeah. Yeah, we gotta we gotta yeah, I'll, I'll use Matt as protection, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll definitely have the uh, camera out for that. Yeah. Uh yeah, it should uh it should be cool, you know. Hopefully uh you know, I got the uh reptile room dialed in and don't have uh I'll I'll live through the mistakes that uh Owen and Matt made and hopefully I don't make the same. So learn from their uh Yeah, don't mistakes. don't move in December during the snowstorm, yeah. That's yeah. A good one. I'm glad you all learned from that. Yeah. When is the move in? When's the move in date? September second. September second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'll be that's a perfect time of year to move. Yeah. Yeah. So And yeah. what about the date what about the date of the carpet fest? Uh yeah, that'll be in May sometime. Sometime in May, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Bill, he has a pool. We can Yeah, in ground pool. We now we I know. We now have got a corn, pool at North got Cornhole. Fest. I'll work yeah. on that. I will get that. I, yeah, we got to get that, man, you know. <laughs> I was trying to get it this year, but the boards are like 200 bucks, and I'm like, what the hell? So I'm make them. So, That's the high-end sense, board, man. <laughs> that is a high-end board. I sense housewarming gifts. <laughs> there you go. I have to get, have to get the NPR on it. Yeah. We're not going to yeah. use the uh, the bags. We're just going to toss the Dachshunds. Just throw them in. Don't even <laughs> do right. Just like, heave the dogs right at them. Yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, so, oh, man. So, Bill, did hey. you see any of the uh, the uh, goings-on in the Morelia world today? Have you no, been paying sir, attention? I didn't. No, no, I had a long I had a long day without uh, without much access to, to the Internet and the ongoing. So, uh, I mean, lay it on me. What's going on? Well, lucky well, you, my it friend. Was on a discussion page, it was on a discussion page where some person asked about how everybody thought about auctions when it comes to Morelia as well as carpet pythons. And okay. whenever a topic, that is one of those topics what I like to call is a grenade, because pretty much yep. what you've done now is you've pulled the pin and heaved it into a room, and now the explosion happens. And 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 if you look surprised because of the explosion, you just clearly haven't been around Morelia enough. So yep. it happened and it quickly did, like just went crazy. 
into the auctions as far as carpet pythons because apparently have been some larger, more expensive carpet pythons have been going to auction for well below market value. Uh, but I then see. it also kind of goes into that at these auctions, what's being tossed up on the page, it could be a little misleading to somebody who is not a little bit more educated in Morelia. Right. Um, right. So it's like apparently what was being said is, hey, exanic carpet python. And people were bidding and buying these exanic carpet python, not really going down the road of that it could be a mix carpet mm-hmm. python. Right. Because I said exanic carpet python, everybody assumes it's a pure coastal. So it yeah. kind of it, it's one of those things where, of course, everybody, a few people chimed in. And it's getting to all that thing, and it, it just kind of brings back the age-old question of, you know, it, it, at, you have to accurately represent your animals. That's it. Well, that is all. Yeah. Ab- um, absolutely. It's it's not a, you know, like you guys said, it's not a path we haven't been uh, down before. And um, yeah. I don't. I want to hear. I want to hear Eric's thoughts on it before I chime in. Yeah. Eric. All right. So. <clears throat> You know, my morph, my morph peeps that disappoint me, man, <laughs> because I can remember for years on the MP forum, the biggest thing that everybody that was crossing everything that everything used to say is, if it's honestly represented, there'll be no problem. There'll be no problems. Exactly. Yep. The problem sure. is, is that there's certain people, right? Maybe intentional, maybe not intentional. That's for another day. But they're not getting represented uh, as what they are. And you have people that are coming in that think you got, okay. So I think that the carpet Python world in order to, uh, you know, continue to uh, push ahead, um, it's, it's saturated and it needs more people involved in the carpet Python world. If you bring right. more people right. in, it'll be easier to sell these snakes, okay? Um, yep. And my the problem is is that with Morelia, uh, as opposed to, say, like ball pythons or something like that, where you can breed a pastel sugar calico, uh, lemon blast, whatever, to whatever, and at the end of the day, it's still a ball python. doesn't matter. You do that with corn snakes. You can – well, maybe not corn snakes, but um, – you can do that, and at the end of the day, you still have a quote-unquote pure animal. But that doesn't right. work that way with carpet pythons. Sure. So sure. it's very confusing for a newbie to come in because they think that a jungle is a morph, you know? Um, right, right. Yep. So then when they're not represented as what they're supposed to be uh, because you think you're going to sell it or you have an, you're trying to – edge the advantage or whatever it would be. Um, it seems to me, and Bill, you could, you could correct me if I'm wrong, that those Morelia people, and the more and more I see it, are becoming what the ball python world was, and Morelia people used to say how much they hated the ball python people. So, <laughs> but in, a, in essence, we're becoming it. Uh, you know, we are, and we have been really for five years or, or more. And, it, you know, you saw it with the advent 
and the exposure to more available morphs. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. And what you said about the ball python people, you know, you're right. There are no, in the ball python world, you have different genetic traits, but there are no subspecies crossed. And, right. you know, so, I mean, I'm very, very torn on on the whole issue because, Eric, you and I have talked about this before. I mean, I might be overly optimistic or, or confident, but I've never really felt like the reptile auctions were a threat or a competitor. I mean, to the animals that Owen produces and you produce, I produce, you know, the people that have been in this for a long time, um, you know, you attract a certain type of customer that a lot of times avoid the auctions. And so I I just, you know, the ball pythons are the same way. I mean, yeah, you know, a a sugar lemon blast, uh, you know, four gene female morph is the same, you know, whether I produce it or whether somebody else produces it. But unlike, you know, carpet, you have quality lineage and customer service ball pythons, you know, it's, it's more about the customer service. So, you know, the auction stuff, I, I just, I haven't been, I haven't gotten that worked up over because to be quite honest, the, the majority of the people that are attracted to the auction animals, I don't really want as customers. So, and that's not, that's not obviously a hundred percent, you know, uh, true, but I, I would say a majority of the people that are looking for the lowest priced animal from somebody that probably hasn't produced it, doesn't know anything about its lineage, its husbandry, won't take care of them, you know, if something goes wrong with the animal and leave the people holding the bag. I just don't, I don't want a part of that kind of customer. And it's very similar to, you know, we're going to have this conversation later, um, captive bred green trees versus imported or farm bred green trees. You know, it's a very similar customer base between the people that are, you know, flooding the auctions and getting, $200 $200 albino carpets, you know, from, from who knows where they, they came from. So I, I just haven't, I haven't been that worked up about it, but if it, if it ends up bringing a lot of undesirable people into the Morelia community, that's when I'm going to get worked up about it. Yeah. yeah. Auctions as a whole, I'm not a fan of, but it's not like, I can't tell somebody how to, to sell their snake. The only reason that I'm not a fan of it is because to me, it, it pushes that impulse buy. And I think that what happens is, is that it's ha- it happened to me. You know, you go to a pet shop, you see something, the carpet python, and then you go and you pick it up and you really don't do your homework on, uh, you know, and I guess the same thing could be applied to chondros as well. But, you know, you, you just go and you buy that on an impulse, which I don't, I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy animals on an impulse, but what happens is, is that later down the line, then you start to realize that what you bought is not really what you want. And that animal becomes a disposable, disposable pet or, but in, in defense to that, some of the people that I know that are in the, uh, I'll say old school Morelia world, uh, they still have that first carpet python. You know, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I, we've talked to so many people on the show that, yeah, they'll, it's like, yeah, that's a, I don't know what it is, carpet python, but it was my first one and I still have it and he'll forever have, you know, or she'll ever, forever have a cage space uh, here with me. Yeah. Um, it's more of a I sentimental think that's probably, thing. 
I think that's probably a very small fraction of the people that are buying carpet pythons on auction sites. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I just have this yes. gut feeling that most people will buy an albino. They'll keep it six months. They'll tire of yes. it or it'll get sick or they don't know what to do with it. They moved on to the next thing that they want to mess with. And then it, like you said, it gets put up on Craigslist or it's just, or it dies or, you know, that that's right. to me the danger of the auction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, but, I, I, go ahead, Owen. Well, the, the the problem is is that when when it gets down to it, uh, I you, you get what you pay for, and Absolutely. this is something you need to understand when you're going into these auctions. Um, I paid a lot more than two hundred dollars for my Gang Jags boys, and I know I paid for their lineage. I paid for what they are, and I pay for what they look like. So if you go and spend $200 to uh, get an Exanic Jag off of an auction, don't look so shocked when there are question marks popping up about its lineage and everything else. I mean, guys, come on. Well, it's lineage. Not only it's it's lineage, lineage, but it, it may very well look like shit. You know, that's the thing about carpet pythons that you don't have to worry about as much with the ball pythons. The ball python quality of the genetics is, you know, pretty uniform across the board. But the carpet genetics, how <laughs> oh, you know. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the carpet genetics, you know, I tell people all the time in ball pythons, you got a one to scale, one to three scale. You know, a really good looking right. pastel is a is a is a three and a really bad one's a one. Well, carpet pythons, that scale can be, you know, one to 10 or one to 20, you know, yeah. and the stuff you're finding on the auctions, you know, they, they, they're not the 20 out of 20. Okay. They're the, they're the three they're out of they're on the auction page. Yeah. That's right. So I think for me personally, I would much rather give somebody one of those undesirable quote unquote carpet pythons and see if the person likes them. Um, mm-hmm. then have them go and, uh, you know, purchase something on, you know, the, the, whatever auction site it is. I don't even know what the auction sites are. I, I have no idea, but, right. um, <clears throat> well, apparently I guess there's a, uh, a, a website that there's does a few of them. auctions, yeah. I guess. There's a few of them and there's a face, some Facebook pages, but I mean, if you're going to talk about giving away undesirable carpet pythons, um, Tiger's head albino are so undesirable. They're disgusting. <laughs> I mean, they are. These apps, they're, they're, just yeah. chuck them outside, dude. Put them in a box out in front of your house in an hour from now. I guarantee you, some guy is going to walk up and take the whole box. So. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, by the way, buddy's buddy's in with us. Hey, buddy, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey guys, you there. Thank you for hey. having me. Hi, buddy. Yeah. Howdy, everyone. Uh, long time, so, long time no see, buddy. <laughs> yeah, long time no see. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I can um, get the two of you together finally. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I think, um, and this is going to sound crazy coming from me, but um, you know, it seems that the, when morphs are involved, the drama ensues, and I don't understand oh, that, yeah. but. I, I I don't know, man. It really is like, um, I said this last week, it's like, it's turning me off from it. 
so I unplugged from Facebook, like, a, you know, basically because I don't have a lot of time. And today was my first day off. Um, and I was, I was like, what the house, hell? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what is going on? Um, but uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, but, it's just, it's, it's disappointing, I guess, to a certain extent. Eric, Eric, you've seen your fair share of the same kind of stuff when people are talking about pure animals, too. I mean, the, the same kind of the same kind the same of drama argument. stuff comes up, um, yeah. you know, about about the animal being pure. How can you prove that it's pure? You know, uh, I mean, it, yeah. so it's not just the morphs that have that that associated with it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. But I guess I guess what I'm seeing is, um, uh, like, uh, when it comes to to the pricing of things and you know it's like people fighting about how they should sell their animals and you know uh you can't even you can't even have a discussion where it seemed to i don't know for a while there it seemed like we were able to discuss things and uh maybe i'm living in a bubble or something i don't know maybe i'm yes <laughs> maybe yep. I'm, I'm i keep you not... i keep you protected from this yeah so. <laughs> but i don't know I mean, I love my morphs and all, and, and it's great, but I look at, like, like think of a guy like Chris Rendles, right? He does jungles. Yeah. He, he breeds his jungles. He's selectively breeding from years. The price is what it is. It's like, you know, 300 to 500 bucks, um, and that's it. No drama. He got yeah, really, you, nice are fish, you, really nice fish, really nice pet. You breed them. You produce stellar yeah. animals. Boom, they're sold. You know what I'm saying? You ever gonna see? Yeah. You ever gonna see? You ever gonna see one like it on an auction? No. Hell no. No. Hell no. 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 It's, of course you're not. I mean, like, out of the, out of the people here, I mean, Buddy's kind of got the same thing going on with his condros. He he's doing condros, he's doing diamonds, and he's doing rhinos. I mean, are you ever gonna see one of? Are you ever gonna see Buddy throw those guys up on an auction? No, because he produces a certain amount. They all sell. And he's never trying to burn out to try to get cages done. And if he just sell me some damn diamonds already, I'd, I'd be a happy person. <laughs> so I have to stay. I have to stay away from him because he's going to get rhino rat babies. So I have to. This sure will be the is. last time Buddy and I speak for a year. So, yeah. <laughs> so bitter. <laughs> yeah. So bad. I, <laughs> I, I think. I think. I think what my. my I guess my. Uh, my thought is is that. When, um, when the morphs are involved, um, it seems to, uh, it, I think what happens is, and, and I'll even use myself as an example. It's like, you know, I had the possibility of doing 30 pairings, but when I was about to do that last year, I'm sitting there and thinking like, should I really do this? You know, like does, yeah. Uh, does, does the world need another super caramel jag clutch? Uh, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's kind of like I, I would be stepping on Owen's toes, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, no that's kind of Owen's big. Yeah, that's his deal. Uh, uh, do, do we really need, uh, you know, uh, just regular albinos to me, you can't sell those animals unless you're bringing new people into the, into the, into the group. Um, right. Because most people that, um, you know, would want something albino would want something zebra head albino, albino zebra jag, uh, you know, 
uh, caramel zebra albino, you know, those kind of things. Um, well, I don't know. You're not going to, you're not going to see those. You're not going to see those animals on the auction table either. No, no. What? But uh, yeah, yeah they were. Well, actually you well, might, depending on who's putting <laughs> yeah, there. And yeah. the, the other well, thing is also, is it, is it going to be accurately represented? That's what's killer. If, if I'm looking yeah. at, if I'm looking at getting into this carpet wise, it, it would, and I go and I save up my money and I'm getting ready to make a purchase from somebody for it. And then I see something that I really want on an auction site or being something's being labeled on the auction site and I go buy it. And then it turns out to not be what I originally thought. I, I'm going to get totally turned off by everything and yeah. kind of feel a little cheated. So you have to actually represent your animals. It's almost like, Obviously, Bill and Buddy, you guys have seen baby green tree pythons on every single auction site as well as every sure. single dealer, wholesaler has always had them up for whatever. It'd be almost like trying to represent a baby yellow neo as coming from a bloodline that it didn't come from, or even, at, just even more so trying to say it's a captive born and bred when clearly it isn't. So it, it's yeah. kind of a kick in the shorts here. So Right. And it yeah, happens that, more than you would think. Um, one yeah. of the unique things about this hobby that, you know, we're not going to probably see no matter what, what other hobby we're involved in is that um, people who buy our snakes eventually will be producing snakes and mm-hmm. we'll all be together producing snakes. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's a unique situation. I I am not involved in any other uh, hobby that uh, is similar in that respect. I I do a lot of cycling. I do a lot of running. Uh, my running shoes are really expensive. I wish if I put two of those together, they would make more of them, but it doesn't happen. Um, but uh, you know, so it's it's a unique Still thing. That, you know, our customers, you know, are, are come to us to get a quality animal because they, they, they're thinking long-term and they're thinking that they themselves um, would like to produce quality animals. And so they themselves not only become, the, initially they're the, they're the consumer, but then they become the producer. And, it, and that's what makes it unique. And that was, that is what kind of, um, I don't want to say devalues animals, but it, you know, the, the availability of animals of certain type of animals are increased um, sometimes it seems almost to be exponentially and, you know, like anything, if you have too much, the supply is too high, the, the demand drops, the prices are going to drop. So, um, right. you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's a unique hobby in, in that aspect. And it, it's always been that way, which is why things, um, a lot of things are now, it's, it's, it's cyclical. We've seen it with, uh, you know, when I first was doing young, you know, smaller pythons, uh, Antricia and Liasis, those guys were very popular in the 90s. Um, and then they kind of, you know, the first few people to, to produce those and get those out to people, they were pretty much able to name the price. And then as more people had success, the, you know, the price dropped and people said, you know what, it's just not worth my effort to make these available anymore. And then they kind of faded away and, and look where we are now with a lot of those animals. Um, you know, they're, they're right. having a resurgence in popularity, but 
Um, they can be difficult to find, and the people who produce them probably can ask what, whatever they want for them, and and uh, you know, so it's it's cyclical, and, and like I said, it's unique to our hobby. I don't really know of any other hobby that would be like it, but um, you know, it's it's the nature of the hobby, I guess. Well, I mean, that's exactly right, and and you have to be able to distinguish yourself. You know what? You have to be able to be different from the auction what what separates you from the auction and i mean at least us it's you know it's knowledge it's customer service um you know and i and i think a lot of times uh that's enough we're not yeah, going to be able yeah. to you know you're not going to be able to to prevent the auctions i mean no matter what you do in fact any effort to to try to prevent them or curb them or even displace them will probably end up causing the opposite effect. You know, you're just going to have to, going to have to just decide what are you going to do, you know, that's different, you know, than the animals and the customer service, the quality that people are picking up at the auctions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally me, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a fan of them, but it's not like I am like running around saying that I'm against it. Um, I'm not going to not like somebody because they do it, you know? Um, you know, I think, I think the only, the only problem that I have, like when it comes to something like that is, you know, what would, okay. I'll use tiger's head albino as an example. Okay. So I haven't produced an albino yet. That's a, that's a visual tiger albino. Um, I'm assuming that it's going to be spectacular because of the results that I've had with the hats. Um, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went and I produced the, um, uh, two clutches this year of them, you know, and raising them up, seeing how they go. I know people were interested in them, blah, blah, blah. Um, but how would that person feel if I say, I'll just throw a number. So I say, okay, they're 500 bucks a piece. Uh, let's raise it. So it's, so it's more, you're spent, let's say they're a thousand bucks a piece, uh, 1500 for a pair. Um, All right. so if I go and you bu- and you spend that $1,500 with me, and before you're able to produce that albino tiger, that visual, now uh, I've just I go and put them on the an auction, and um, now now that you know I'm selling them for like oh. 200 bucks. You know what I'm yeah, saying? No. Like to no, me, this, this is... that wouldn't be somebody that I would want to invest money with no. in a project. I would say, no, man, because right. they're going to tank that shit before I even get a chance to produce something. So no, I pass. That's would be, that's <laughs> my personal thing. No, it's, this is ball Python one Oh one. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> exact, that is exactly what's happened in the ball Python industry. And I'll tell you in the excuse long me, run, Bill, the, excuse me, Bill, Royal. we refer to them as Royal Pythons on this show. <laughs> We don't. Now I don't, don't know what we're talking about. I'm not familiar with that term, yeah. ball python. I'm, I don't <laughs> See, know royal. Confuse him, buddy. Come on. I I apologize to our guests. <laughs> wait, oh, wait a minute. You're the guest. This is our show. Oh, so. okay, that's right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Listen. Uh, but yes, we, we've seen it, Eric. I know you've seen it. I've seen it a lot. And in the long run, that comes around. That bites people when they do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, there's a lot of different, uh, sources to get ball pythons. There's a lot of different sources to get carpet pythons, you know, do the right thing, treat your customers, right. Treat them fairly. And you'll, you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. So 
uh, let me ask you guys a question. How does the auction thing uh uh, work in the Chondro world? I mean, is this something that, you know, you guys as a community are uh, for, against, don't care about, whatever? Buddy, go uh, go ahead. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not very familiar with uh, Chondro-specific auctions. I'm not saying there might not be one that does not exist or does exist. Um I know we occasionally in one of the uh, pages that I frequent. Excuse me, I need a drink real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about that, guys. He um, there's a there's a uh, an, I guess an importer if you want to call him who he he runs auctions and I'm not really sure how his auctions run, but he has he occasionally frequents the site, puts up conjures for auctions and um, you know I just. Uh, the way I handle it is, is that uh, I, I read it, and if it looks like what he's saying is true and is what he's repre- and the animal he's representing appears to be within the ad, then I just I let him go with it. But if there's an error, I I try to point that out that you know it may need to be corrected so that whoever may purchase this animal knows exactly what they're getting, um, so that they're prepared when it does show up at their at their house. We talked about it a little bit earlier, buddy. I, I think you maybe not had called in yet, but we were kind of comparing. Eric used the example of exantic, the exantic morph, and when he posts an exantic animal, well, then you just assume that it's a pure coastal exantic, and it's not, uh, it's not a mix. Um, but when you see that animal maybe on auction, that it would not be specified that it was not pure. Uh, you, you may not know what's in it, and it's very similar, you know, with the uh, the chondros that we come across. Uh, they may say captive bred. Well, right. captive bred to the importer means well, it may have been farm bred. Right. But, you know, that's not what that means. And so, somebody that's, you know, that hasn't doesn't have as much exposure, um, you know, to what we see all the time, doesn't know that they're they're you know they just oh it's captive bred it's okay. Not. I, I understand. It's uh, it's all about the animal, how it's represented, and uh, who's actually making the animal available. Um, I'm surprised yeah, personally the number of people that will buy animals from people that seem to just pop up overnight, and I know it's um, crazy. And then are surprised that they have an issue um, with the animal, or the animal wasn't exactly as it was advertised to be. And to be honest with you, I'd have to say, um, I don't think, it's not really difficult, at least for me, and I'm assuming you guys are the same way, it's not very difficult to have a, a pretty good reputation in, in this hobby. I mean, nice. No. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean people, people do some really surprising things that I know about, and, and mm-hmm. you know, somehow they're still around, and there's still, people still buy animals from them, and. They're still thought of highly by by other folks, and but they're they're still around, and you know I guess you know have a short memory. Maybe I'm I'm not sure. No, you oh. know I think I think when it comes to that kind of thing, that's a that's a that's a point good point that you make, buddy. Um, that you see these people that are you know put on this pedestal, and you know you, you clearly they're they've done wrong, and I'm not saying that people don't make mistakes. 
but I think it's how you handle the mistake is really uh, what separates the good guy from the bad guy. Um, You know, I mean, you know, there's a thousand things that can go wrong with a live animal, Um, you know, and and it could not be uh, that you intentionally did something, but then sometimes you read these posts they're like, well, clearly this, this is not right, you know, and somehow they're still there. So (laughs) it just baffles me, you know? Right. We had a, uh, you know, we'll we'll delve off into a little bit of the green tree python world. So one of the big things with green tree pythons mm-hmm. is uh, we've always we've always had this reputation that we we do our best to represent the animal. Um, we make sure that the animals that we put up a photograph of, you know, this is the animal that it's it's available. Um, or if it's not, you know, you might say this is a clutch mate. You know, I, I have pictures PM me or whatever. Um, but you know, we had an individual who. Um, and so anyway, let's let me go back a step. I was asked many years ago by a friend of mine if I would help Python uh, page on Facebook, and I said yes. Um, and sometimes it's a lot of work, and sometimes I just have to ignore it. But in this particular instance, um, I happened to be there, and uh, Julie was there. She's one of the moderators as well. And um, someone had someone we had known to be practicing I would I wouldn't say shady, but not the not as ethical as we would like them to be with their animals. We had posted up a classified ad and uh-huh. uh a friend of ours who lives across the pond uh said, Hey, that's my snake that he's selling. Um oh. so <laughs> we you know, I said, you know, I, I know the guy, and I was the guy who said the snake belongs to him. But in all fairness to the other guy, I said, okay, please give me some proof, though, because I don't want to confront this person openly if I don't have proof that it's not yours. So he he sent me the original photograph, and he also sent me like seven or eight other photographs with the same background. Um, so we I told the guy, we said, hey, you know, is this the snake that you're selling? And he said, yes. And we said, you know, Julie and I said, well, we know that this snake belongs to another person. We know this person personally. Yeah. And um, he then replied that, well, I go on Google for green tree python pictures. <laughs> I and remember I, this story. I <laughs> download them and I... Um, post them up in the ad, and the reason I do that is because I'm trying to discourage tire kickers. And I was kind of taken back huh? by that. As a, you know, why would why would somebody else's snake, a picture of somebody else's snake, discourage a tire kicker? And he really couldn't explain. And at this point, he gets frustrated, and he starts the name calling, you know, we're the, you know, we're the, we're the keyboard warriors, and, you know, we're really, you know, <laughs> You know, we're really tough people behind the, you know, and he starts saying, if he ever sees us, he's going to, you know, take, you know. And uh, so he tried yeah. to delete the post. Unfortunately, I, you know, anytime something like this starts be developing, one of the things I do is I screenshot it. So I have so many <laughs> screenshots of so many bad deals gone down. Um, so I screenshotted it and I saved it. And um, he left. So he joined another. He joined the forum that I started, which was uh, Morelia Veritas Forum on Facebook, 
Um, someone let him mm-hmm. in, and had I know, had I he asked permission, and I thought I just never let him in. Well, he did the same thing, but over there, not realizing oh, that hey, we're all pretty much, you know, <laughs> all twenty of these Connor pages, pretty much the same people are there. Yeah, so right. he started it again, and then someone else called him out and said, hey, weren't you the same guy on the other page? And so I prevented him from deleting it. And then we said, hey, you know, this guy is dishonest. This guy is misrepresenting animals. And we had probably a dozen to 15 people come forward and say um, that this individual had sent them a photo of an animal and said, this is the animal that's for sale. And the, when the animal showed up, it was not the animal in the box. It was a green tree python, but a couple of people had bought, like, red neonates, and the snake showed up, and it was a uh, sub-adult wild-caught animal. Um, so there's 12 or 15 people who were okay with bringing this up in public. So imagine the number of people who may not have saw that post or yep. wow. just were too embarrassed to say anything. So right. just what, you know, just that type of stuff. And he's still around. If you go to other pages, and I don't want to mention other names, but if you like reptiles that can't be found regularly, hint, 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 <laughs> there's a couple pages that sell those animals. He's over there selling other things. Um, and apparently, you know, and he's very well liked in the venomous community as well. So, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't get it. don't understand um, I think it's really easy to treat people the way that, you know, they they want to be treated. And, you know, but we we seem to have a short memory and let people slide more frequently than we should. Yeah. The, the green tree community is not immune to people like that. That's for sure. No, absolutely. Really? No? Wow. Okay. No. no. But it's easy. Yeah, it I, seems to be like it's it's fairly easy to, you know, do what – Buddy and Julie did. It's fairly easy to do a little, you know, fact checking. Um, like Owen said, if somebody's yeah. posting up a yellow neo and he he's saying that it's got crazy blue lineage, and you know, you can in about two questions you can figure out if it's legit or not. You know, right? Yeah, right. I mean, for me personally, I, I that's why I do my website the way I do it. I mean, all the info is there. You know. Uh, it's just a click away. You can go and look and it is what it is. I mean, I don't really sell a whole lot of snakes cause that's the part I hate the most about the whole hobby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just such a pain in the ass, but, um, <clears throat> this is true. um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess my, my points would be, you know, number one, I think that, um, you know, you should be selective. I think, I think Condro, for the most part, from what I see, I'm not as involved, I guess, as you two, but it seems like there's a lot of thought that goes into a particular pairing, um, you know, whether it be uh, you're trying to produce um, a locality animal or locality crosses because there was some type of uh, locality cross that caught somebody's eye or, you know, blue line animals or calico, wh- whatever the case would be. I mean, it's not just like, you don't see that much, and I could be wrong, where somebody's just like, well, I got this chondro, and I got that chondro, and I'm just going to put them together and hope for the best. Am I wrong on that <laughs> point? Or <laughs> Do you see um, that a lot? I, I, yeah, I, th- I think people put some thought into it. I mean, there's people who are chondro hobby, and 
you know, they may just do a pairing just to see how it goes, you know, and, right. and, and let it, you know, let it go that route. I, I, I would like to think most people put some thought into it. Um, and, you know, with that aside, Bill made a great comment. I want to talk about that before we move forward is Bill said it's real easy to fact check. It is real easy to fact check if you know where to fact check and if you actually have the facts. Um, right. A lot of times, you know, a lot of times people are, present something um, and it's not as it is not what it's rep- supposed to be or represented as. And but people assume that because you're a member of a certain group, um, that you posted on a certain page, that it had that someone somewhere is doing a quality check or a fact check for you, and that's not always the case. So they assume that well, if it's here, if it's in the if I'm buying a Condro, um, that well, the Condro community is pretty tight. Well, yeah, there there is a, a a pretty large circle of folks that know one another well enough to and aren't afraid to say, hey, you know, what do you think about this animal? Or, or come to me. A good example is <clears throat> last summer someone put an ad up that they were selling a snake that I produced that I didn't see. And someone else said, hey, you know, you know, this one of your animals. Like, no, I never even did a pairing any of any of that. Um, it was a biak to a calico animal, supposedly. And I was like, nope, I've never been involved with that. So I I am the person that said, look, um, you said I produce this animal. What's the ID? And he's like, oh, I don't have the ID number. Well, do you have the lineage? I don't have any lineage. I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to call you a liar, but I've never put a biak with a calico animal. Um, yep. So yeah. that animal did not come from me. Now, did someone tell him that? And he bought it based on that. Well, that could be, um, but you know, just another example of how how can you fact check that? Um, you know, don't if, you know if someone throws a breeder's name up there, don't be afraid to reach out to the breeder who's supposed breeder, to produce yeah. it and say, hey, Bet. you know, did did you produce the, this type of animal? Or you know, maybe they didn't even produce a, a clutch of uh, jungle carpets that year or something like that. So you know, just yeah. being able to do that, PM someone or, you know, we're so connected. It's very easy to fact check, but a lot of people just let things go for face value. And you know, a yeah, lot of that, times people that, get burned for that. That's an excellent point, And we haven't touched on that. And I think we should, there is a little bit of responsibility on the buyers, you know, here. I don't have yes. a lot of sympathy for somebody who does absolutely no research on buying their first carpet python or green tree python uh and you know i mean they do no research it's an impulse buy they won't even get on the the boi or won't get on any forum and ask a you know a question they just buy the animal and then you know they want people to fix it because it has problems i you know you got to put some responsibility into into those buyers and the seller Mm -hmm. the buyers too Man, I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, I, I guess it's more so in the carpet world than it is in the chondro world, but you see, uh, hey, I bought this snake at a reptile show. Can somebody tell me what it is? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's a carpet python. It is. It's a carpet. Um, yep. you know? Congratulations. It's a carpet. And, you yeah. know, it, what I found is what what probably would – mess me up more than anything if I ever got involved with chondros is I've had numerous people who 
have one or two carpet pythons. And they're like, who would you recommend for me to get a conjure from? And I'm like, well, there's, you know, there's, but there's Buddy, and then there's Bill, you know, and a few other people I'll spit out there. And I'm like, these are people who won't mind if you email them at 10 o'clock at night. They'll probably respond that night and be like, what's going on? How's that baby that you helped me with? I'm like, Buddy's the kind of person that I called him at 11 o'clock at night, and I'm like, the Condro won't eat. He's like, oh, <laughs> you have a room full of snakes. Do what you do with them with this one. So, yeah, I mean, like, there was that. I'm like, I'm like, you know, you need to go to these people. And then these same people about, like, a week later contact me. They go, hey, I just want to auction, and I got this baby Biak coming. And I'm like, you, you did everything I told you not to do. And now right. you're calling me, and it's like, it's like, you think if I emailed that buddy guy, I'm like, don't you dare, don't you dare, because <laughs> I told him to contact you. Don't you dare to email this person and say, hey, how do I fix this and put my name attached to it? So it's, there's right. stuff like that where if I were an actual green tree breeder, I probably would have lost my mind and smacked somebody by now. So I don't know how you guys <laughs> do um, with that. We do see, so we 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 do have a very similar thing. We have, do you know, we have people that pick up a condor. Maybe they see something on Craigslist. Uh, maybe they go to a reptile show, and it, you know, either there's no information on the animal, um, or they bought an animal and you know they bought it and it's uh, you know it's a biak or it's supposed to be a Meraki or a or, or whatever. So then they get on to the one of the Facebook pages and say, hey, they say either, I got this snake off of Craigslist. What locality is it? And no one really knows. Um, it may look like, it could, hey, it, look, it, it looks like it could be a Biak, but could it be a Biak cross? Well, sure, it could be. Could it be something else? Well, maybe. Um, and or then you get the people that say, hey, I bought this as a, you know, an Aru type, but I think it's actually a Meraki type. And I always ask him, well, why would you think that the person who sold you the snake would give you bad information about the locality? Yeah. And then that normally leads to what type of person did you buy this snake from that you actually don't <laughs> trust what they're telling you. Um, and, you know, I, I try not to be you know, rude or mean about it, but I'm trying to open their eyes to the to the fact or the reality of if you bought this snake as a Meraki type or a Naru type, and it, that's what it is. That's what you should call it. That's what we call them type yeah. because we're really not sure. Um, it may match the outward appearance of animals that come from that particular region, but we really don't know for sure. Um, so, yes, we do have a, a similar experience. I mean, we, we kind of have everybody trained over on the pick of the week that when somebody posts up a picture and it's like, you know, uh, what look, what kind of carpet is this? I, I'm pretty sure there's usually like three or four people that immediately jump in with the, you'll never know. Everything that is about to follow is an educated guess. And usually after that, there's some guy who goes, it's a pure IJ. I know because I've seen them. And it's like, that's no. So it's, it's you know, and there's, and there's eventually, like, yeah, but, but usually the first comment is always, you know, you'll never know. It's all guessing. It's all guesswork. And, you know, unless you bought it direct from the breeder. So right. it's pretty good about that. But this is stuff that, you know, could obviously be worrisome. And, and it's when it comes down to the auctions 
and how things are represented. It's almost the exact same problems that we run into with um, I, I sell a clutch of my animals to a wholesaler. You know, I tell him 18 times that they're high con coastals, which means that they're jungle coastal crosses. And then I go to a show and they're listed as just jungles because they're yellow and black carpet pythons. So (laughs) that's that's just how it goes. I mean, the second they're out of my hands, I got to hope that the people who are purchasing from it are going to represent it accurately. So one of those things. Yep, it is. It is. So, um, you know, I have to ask you guys. We, I mean, we just need to, to get the word out. We need to we need to approach our hobby differently, I think. We need to look at what mm. we value. I mean, I value honesty. Do you guys value honesty? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> you know we do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all, we all value yeah. honesty, right? Um, yep. So, you know, we need, to, we need to embrace the values that we have and not be willing to sacrifice those values and that do your best to live by them. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, like you make a decision about, I'm going to buy a snake, um, you know, how hard do you think about it? I know that I went through a phase of my life where if I wanted it, I was buying it. And as I've gotten older, I am really slow about buying animals because I think about, everything that's involved with it. So when I was younger, I would think just essentially implicitly, I would just say I'm buying a snake because I want it. And I would think mm-hmm. for the, you know, live in the now, not thinking about the future, kind of what Eric was talking about um, earlier about, you know, if you, you know, went and bought a, a snake from a pet store, he's thinking about the now, not really thinking about the future. It's fulfilling this now need. Um, but we need to shift and, really encourage people to think explicitly how my decision has, you know, what action led this snake to this point? And is that a good thing? Such as, is this, was this animal wild caught? Was this animal brought illegally into this country? And it's now here at this vendor. And then I'm hoping to jumpstart my breeding collection or my breeding program. Or is this animal a true, truly captive-bred farm-bred animal or a true captive-bred animal that is now here, and I'm going to bring it to my collection, and I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to take the time to grow this animal the correct way and breed it. Mm-hmm. Do we think about all those things? We A lot of people don't, and I understand that one of the reasons I don't go to pet show, uh, reptile shows is because you know, it's easy to get that feeling like, oh, my God, I've always wanted this snake. Yeah. And it's easy to get, it's easy to have this, you know, these, uh, you know, the, the emotional appeal or built your emotions that that happens and, and you make a snap decision, which usually in the long run is not the best decision for either you, your collection, or that animal. So, you know, just something how we, I think we just need to educate, do more education. People don't want to hear you preach anyway. But when I go to a reptile show and I take chondros, I actually don't want to sell a chondro at that reptile show. I will yeah. do my best, especially if they've never owned a chondro before, to not to convince them, slow down. Um, you don't need to walk out the door with this snake today. 
um, let's you know think about it. Make sure you make sure everything is ready and you're ready. That way, no one suffers. Not the new owner, not me, and not the snake. Um, so you know, some I think I just think we need to approach things a little bit differently. Well, I, I think things have been approached like that for a long time. Um, you know, and those are the people that are that are in it for a long time and are, are successful and, you know, you, you sleep well at night and, and I do, and I know Eric and Owen do, and you're exactly right. If you do the right thing, you don't want somebody walking out of there with one of your chondros if they're not ready for it. Because all it means is, is you've got to give them their money back when it gets sick or when it doesn't eat or when it dies, you know, that's the last thing somebody like, you know, the people that are on this conversation right now, want to happen but a lot of people mm-hmm. they don't care you you know be out the door and you you'll you'll never hear or see from them again yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the uh i think um i bring this up i've brought this up multiple times on the show but an example of what you're talking about would be david means when he was producing scrub pythons and the first time i bought a bar neck from him um you know he didn't know me um and I just reached out to him through the forum and, you know, I was interested in getting it. And um, he wasn't willing to just, you know, sell me it. Um, even though I was like, okay, I got the cash. I'm going to PayPal you, you know, all that. It, nope. He's like, no, nope. I, I want to talk, talk to you on the phone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure. You know, and, and when I did talk to him, you know, he wanted to meet me in person. You know, I was like, wow, this guy's like, you know, really, uh, you know, being responsible with, uh, you know, with these, with these snakes. And, you know, then I, then he, then I thought about it and, you know, when you're dealing with a scrub, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different than dealing yeah. with a jungle carpet. Um, it's not a corn snake. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. And when you're making that kind of purchase, uh, yeah, when it's a baby, yeah, things can be easy and manageable and, you know, life is good. Um, and I think sometimes people don't realize what that animal is going to turn out to be. And, um, I think that's uh, a little bit, you know, we see it at, well, Owen can attest. You see it at Hamburg all the time. You see the kids walking out with the Nile crocodile, I the Kaboom Viper, and the retic. I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw a 12-year-old child's father buy him a Nile crocodile <laughs> and walk out the door with it. God. And it's like, exactly. So when it comes down to it, and it's t- especially an animal like a scrub or a green tree, uh, I mean, I mean, this, for different reasons, green tree, because, you know, if I'm investing so much an- money into an animal, I, I want to be successful with keeping it. I want to keep it alive. I want to keep it happy and healthy. And I want to have it for a number of years. When it comes to a scrub, I guarantee you, Dave Means was contacted by every Yahoo Whoever saw somebody handle a semi, like decent handleable scrub, and everybody who's like, man, I got to get one of those. Why? Because it's big and it's awesome. Why? Because I want it. Because it'd be so cool to have it. Why? And then like eventually after you get through all those, you eventually find the guy has no idea what he's talking about. He's kept maybe a ball python, and he's really not ready for a scrub. And then he usually <laughs> ends up going to the show and buying a retic. So it's like that. That's what you see at shows a lot more is the impulse buy and the I'm not prepared for this. And I will admit I have fallen victim to that so many times it's ridiculous. Um, there are Dominican red mountain boa 
in my room because I'm like, yeah, I like them. They're red. So it's like <laughs> that, dumb decisions that I make. So it's just one of those things where you almost got to tap the brakes and kind of try to figure it out. One of the best things I ever did is before I got my first Chondro, I, I went down to Buddy's place and he took me to Chondro school. He's like, this is a baby Chondro, <laughs> you know, please don't grip it like that. It will die. So it's like, you know, and all this other stuff. And, you know, I helped him feed and clean and do all this other stuff. And it was much easier to, I felt a lot better when I went home with my Chondro because I, you know, I've been walked through a Chondro, every stage of a Chondro's life from like, you know, fresh hatchlings to adults. And one of the first things I said to him is I didn't realize that they were so tiny as babies. Like they are so freaking tiny and you, you almost don't realize that everybody assumes that the baby chondros at shows are baby chondros. Yeah. Most of the babies right. you see at shows, they're like a year old. Probably yearlings. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. I, I, I was totally like, I think I told like buddy opened the drawer. I'm like, well, where's the rest of it? Like it looks like somebody <laughs> cut it. It's like, it's like that is, what's that cord? What's that cord snake doing in the chondro case? So it's like, that's what you, you kind of almost need a helping hand with a lot of that stuff. Or you will be totally out of your element, way in over your head, and, and you will not do well. So, well, I guess maybe this shifts the topic a bit, but um, uh, you know, I figured I, I always assumed that you know at some point I would work with chondros. Um, you know, carpets were sort of the uh, gateway into that. And I think I remember reading in, uh, I think it was Greg Maxwell's book where he was talking about how, you know, get a carpet python first and see how you do with that. The problem is, and I want your guys' opinion with this, <clears throat> is that carpet pythons are freaking bulletproof. Um, <laughs> they, they are like, <laughs> unless you drop a rock on its head, yeah. this thing is not dying. Um I find that's not the case with chondros. So it, in a way, um, in a way it kind of, it kind of scared me away from them a bit. Um, and in a way it kind of made me realize that, you know, there's no cookie cutter, uh, cookie cutter stamp, I guess you would say with, with working with pythons, um, you know, different species require different, you know, different, uh, you know, care and stuff. Um, but I, I felt confident again because I have a, you know, I have a small group of them and then I had the prolapse. So mm. now I'm kicked in the gut again. And it's like, man, I really, really want to work with these guys, but you know, I feel like, um, something is wrong. Um, any tips, any ideas, any, any comments? What do you got? You probably, you probably got that from a, a that animal from a shady source, didn't you? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Well, only high end uh, over here, Bill. There's no more no sources shady. coming in this door. <laughs> Definitely yeah. shady. No, that's that's well, the aru. That's the aru that you got from me, right? Yeah. So I mean, okay. The the thing was eaten. It was growing. Um, you know. Um, Everything was good. I mean, there was no outward signs that anything was wrong. 
And the reason I bring it up is really just because I think it's a topic that scares people away. Um, I know if it's scaring me away, I'm assuming that it scares other people away. Now, as far right. as keeping chondros, they seem very like they're the easiest snake I have to deal with. I mean, you take the perch out, you clean the cage, put the water in, change the water, put the perch back in. It's pretty simple. But pretty simple, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think Maxwell said that um, because you know, I think you maybe even said jungle carpet pythons, um, and he said that because I think you're right with your assessment. I think that they are hardier. And I think you're trying to use that as an example for someone who has no snake experience. So if you're thinking about, you know, maybe why a condor shouldn't be your first buy purchase as a, as a uh, snake. But we'll say this, I've had people that never have had a snake that have got a condor for me and they do better with that animal than someone who's been keeping royal pythons um, or, you know, or even carpet pythons. And I think the reason is for those folks is that because they've never had a snake before, everything I say to them is gospel. So mm-hmm. They're going to listen. They're going to do everything I say. The people who have a little bit of a snake experience, um, they're not going to listen as closely. They're not going to follow my or Bill's direction as closely because they have some snake experience. And, um, they feel that, you know, okay, that's nice, but I'm uh, thinking I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Those are the ones that normally run into trouble. Now, I will say this. Chondros are amazingly good at hiding an illness. Um, they they don't show it till it's very bad. Um, it's just the way they are. Um, they, you know, they rely on their coloration to keep them secure in the wild, and if you're sick and you're not perched properly and you're drooped, and you may make yourself more visible. So I'm sure it's I'm sure it's part of keeping them alive while they're wild, while they're in the wild and sick, so they don't show symptoms as early. Or when they do so show symptoms, it's normally near the end of the disease process that we we find it. Um, I think definitely agree they are more delicate. Um, and I will have to say this, I've had more heartbreaks with chondros than any other species of snakes I've ever worked with, period. Um, and I've had, um, and I have to say that, you know, I can't say for you, Eric, what, what the situation is for you, but I can say for me, most of mine have been me making stupid mistakes, um, not being patient. I lost uh, 12 animals in 2008, because oh. I had a rack that I had my I had uh, a two-year-old and yearlings together in a rack, and um, I'd gotten lazy, and the rack had been up and operating for a, a few years at this point, and I was just confident that everything was working properly, and uh, I had two or three snakes start showing symptoms, get them to the vet. What's going on? I don't know. I finally have that aha or blonde moment. And I'm like, you know, I haven't shot this rack with a, with a temp gun in a very long time. And sure enough, my, uh, my thermostat was bad, but it was still showing that it was holding the temperature, but I had no heat oh. on those animals for God knows how long. And this was in the winter time. And I was still in the midst of 
my condors needed to be sprayed down several times a day or they would die. So they were in a cool basement with no heat for I don't know how long. And then I was spraying them and I was feeding them. And then uh, every one of those animals eventually died. So they, mm. when they go, they go quick. And you talk about a heartbreak. Mm. Um, That's hard. So, That's the definition right there. Um, it happens, and I will also say I'm pretty sure I've killed condors just because I wanted to get them to be able to breed within a certain with, within a certain time frame, or in my mind when I thought they should breed. And I have no doubt that I've killed uh, probably two of the best snakes I've ever produced because I think I just was in a rush to get them up to the breeding size and they died. Hard lesson to learn, but I don't do it anymore. And, and, and I, Eric, also I, check, yeah. I also run through and check everything with a temp gun at least once a week. Yeah, yeah. Eric, and I can tell you um, that you can do, with all snakes, with particularly the chondros, you can do everything right for the animal and yeah. it still die. And on the flip side of that, yeah. I let, let me tell you this, this. This is incredible. An animal that was a clutch mate of yours, I sent to a, a guy who'd never owned a chondro before, and I went – you know, through the whole setup with him, told him to read the husbandry guide. He seemed like he knew, you know, he had it going on. This is a clutch made of yours. This is an Aru. A year later, he sends me a picture of it, and it's in the same same setup, same tub. Looks great. But I noticed in its water dish, it had sphagnum moss in it. And so in the picture. And so I messaged him. And I, uh-huh. said, well, I said, that's a dirty, awful, dirty water bowl. What, you know, what's in the water bowl? And he goes, oh, I yeah. don't give it. I don't give it water. I just dampen the sponge and moth moss and spray it a couple times a week. He hadn't given huh. that thing fresh water in a year. Oh my god! <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> wow. And, huh. and it was doing and it was doing great. So huh. we had a brief discussion, Weird. you know. And so I just, I'm telling you, those that can just happen. You can you can give it everything that yeah. it should need, and it's still, you know. It's going to prolapse and die. Right. Yeah, I think, we are uh, working with live animals. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. going to say, like the idea, you know, I guess it's just that, um, I guess there's a thing in my head that 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 says that you know these snakes are more difficult, and you know I know that they're not, but you know they just have to be approached, I guess, a little bit different. I think I think when I was talking to you guys. Um, one of the things that I've changed um, specifically with my chondros is that I change the water bowl now three times a week as opposed mm-hmm. to changing it once a week like I do with my carpets. And it's just that little yeah. tweak. Now, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't, but, you know, okay, that's how I'm going to approach mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, I'll just, yeah, just tell you from, some, from somebody that keeps – carpets and royals there's two mistakes that i have found universally with chondros and i'm I'm not saying that you you've done this at all but yeah lack of fresh water and too hot of a hot spot people love to see that 90 degree hot spot on a chondro and it's way too hot for it especially if your ambient temps 80 degrees you know it's just way too hot so those are the two things. The people that keep balls, people that keep carpets, and then they get a green tree. They want to overheat that thing. And I'm like you. You know, my carpet, it gets fresh water in a cage cleaning once a week, whether it defecates all over that cage and in that water bowl. I mean, a lot of times I don't even open it up until the next week. But if that right. chondro defecates in its cage, 
The cage gets cleaned, the bottom gets wiped down, the puppy pad gets changed, and it gets fresh water that day. Right. But yeah. otherwise, you know, buddy, what, I mean, go ahead. I mean, give me your thoughts. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, we were kind of, you know, talked to Eric about what was going on with his animal. Um, I, I mean, we, we had talked about water, how important it is. Um, and you know, maybe that's it. I mean, it's just hard to say. These, I mean, like I said previously, they are, I think they are more delicate than a carpet python. I think you need to, you know, your husbandry, I, I believe needs to be a little bit more spot on. Um, and, and also, you know, there's the factor of we're working with live animals. Um, anything is possible, yeah. you know, within the the realm of, of working with, uh, you know, live animals. I mean, uh, it's, you know, they're not inanimate. They're not running shoes. Um, so, you know, <laughs> things happen. You know, things go bad, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, we all tend to beat ourselves up over because, you know, they're, they're an animal in, in our, um, uh, you know, in our, in our collection, they're, you know, we, we're charged with making sure they they stay healthy and we want them to stay healthy. So, you know, I take it personally, I know Eric takes it personally, and I'm sure everyone does, but an animal just rolls and dies yeah. on you. I mean, it's it's very, very difficult. It It is heartbreaking. I mean, people don't, you know, people are funny. They're like, well, your snakes aren't like a dog. And I'm like, well, no, they're, you know, I don't let them run around the house a couple hours a day. They don't have free run every, all the time. But um, they, but anyway, no one laughs, so I'll keep going. But anyway, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're buddy, not. Buddy, you, we don't know what you and the boys are running around doing. Like, <laughs> that, that, that is so, true. Um, yeah. I but, mean, you know, they're, you know, people are like, oh, they're just snakes. You know, there's people who think that, you know, they're just a breeding project. They're just, you know, whatever. But for me, they're my pets, too. And, you know, I take it personal, and it, it's heartbreaking, particularly, um, if I've had an animal that, you know, that I've taken the time and, you know, I've hatched it and raised it from, you know, got it established and raised it and it's, you know, three or four or five years old and it dies on me. I mean, that's a heartbreak. So, you know, I don't, there's no answer to it. Um, If you don't like dealing with that stuff, I would say maybe chondros aren't for you. Um, But I do have, I mean, I have friends that keep chondros and they've never lost a snake. Um, but I think once you start getting, you know, you play the odds too. Once you start increasing collection size and more animals, it's just, you know, sooner or later something's going to get sick. It's, you know, yeah, everything gets sick. It's, you know, condors get sick yeah. in the wild. Condors get sick at the farm in Indo because as we've seen pictures of them, we know they get sick there. Um, so, you know, right. there's a good chance they're still going to get sick here. So, you know, it's how you deal with it. Some people just immediately shut themselves off and say, I'm not going to do this again. Mm-hmm. Some people try to figure out where they went wrong and push forward. Um, and, you know, that 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 really is really my only advice, figure out, you know, let's figure out what, what went wrong and let's, let's not repeat it. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that I've, like I said, that I've learned um, is that, uh, you know, you have to, um, it's not a cookie cutter keeping, uh, so to speak, you know, and, um, I guess, I guess I can't, I can't approach it like I do my carpets because they're hardier. 
Um, and it kind of makes sense, you know, when you look at carpet pythons in general, uh, IJs are the most delicate. And usually they're the ones that seem to be susceptible to uh, respiratory infections easier, um, you know, because they're not really getting that, that cool down the same way. And, you know, they're just, they're just from a different, a different environment than, say, you know, a diamond python where right. <laughs> as long as they can heat up during the day, uh, they could be at 50 degrees and it's not going to make a difference to them. They're just, it's just how they're wired. You know, it's kind of like uh white lip pythons and ring pythons. From what I understand, um, if you let those guys dry out, you know, you're going to have a dead snake, you know, it's, but the same wouldn't apply to a carpet python, you know? Right. So, yep. I'll say yeah. maybe. You know, it's, it's one of those things I've seen. I've, I would definitely say yes with rings. They dry out a lot easy, especially when they're babies. White lips, I keep them just like my carpet pythons. Just like how Eric's like, I clean my chondro's water three times a week. I'm like, my chondro gets clean water once a week when the carpets get clean water. And she's fine. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. You can do everything right, and the animal dies. The animal prolapses. I mean, or you can do everything Owen's way, and somehow they keep living. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that. That's that magical bird's barrel water, man. It's uh, <laughs> goddamn right it is. It's, uh, from the magical well. Oh god. So, so we talked about the negative things that happen. Bill, let's talk about your positive thing that happened. You yeah, have a story that you want to share with us. Well, yeah, um, and I don't want to drag it out, and I don't want it to be a, a, a look-what-I-did story, but I wanted it to be, I mean, a little bit inspirational to people that, whether they're thinking about getting into chondros or not, but I guess the basic, the bottom line is is just, you, you know, the, some of the joy that having a vision and a project can bring when it actually happens. And, um, you know, for me, that happened uh, with an animal that I produced in, in uh, 2000, it was 2014 breeding season. But, I mean, I mean, all you guys know, um, and I think a lot of the people that listen, certainly to the Buddy and my shows, know that I'm no green tree expert. You know, Buddy has been doing it for a very, very long time. Um, he asked me to do the show uh, really because I was a new green tree keeper and he thought it would be a good idea to get the perspective of somebody that had kept other uh you know snakes for uh, a while um but to get a fresh kind of perspective maybe i could think of some questions to ask or discussions that he would never even think about and i think our shows worked out good for that but the bottom line you know I was, i'm no uh green tree expert i'm not a big breeder that's produced many many clutches um, but I had an animal that uh, I produced last year who has just turned out to be kind of the pinnacle of that thing that you, that story that you want to, you know, inspire. When I first got interested in green trees was really when I met Buddy and a few other people at ICAS. And, um, mm, you know, I, I caught guess. the con. ICAS. Mm, we'll talk about ICAS. Mm. ICAS later. God. <laughs> later yeah, today. Was, that, that was just a tease. Yeah. <laughs> But that's kind of where I became infatuated with chondros. And, I mean, you guys know that I caught chondro fever pretty bad. And, and I, I got a couple of animals fairly quickly. And then, of course, I immediately just, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to breed them, reproduce the, the animals. Um, so I acquired a couple of 
females, um, a Biak female, and then a, a really quite a large Wamina Highland type uh, female that I, I enjoyed keeping both of those girls. They were like the second and third chondra that I'd ever uh, acquired. And so I kept those animals, um, you know, for maybe a year or 18 months. And um, our friend Matt Morris had posted an animal that, and, and with with that, I'll say, and Eric knows this, I also had, had acquired a, a, a breeding pair of Aru um, locality types, a male and a female. And that was, in fact, the first clutch of chondros that I produced was a small Aru clutch. And so my idea was to have the Arus and to have two females and maybe do exactly what you guys were talking about earlier. Just, oh, let's throw a, you know, a Aru male in with a Biak and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, all the thoughts. It, it goes in with that. Um, so that was kind of what I was going to do. But uh, then Matt Morris posted this this animal, this chondro, and, and it's called Jager. And um, uh, it was produced by Marshall Mendez. And... Um, Matt Morris is in Austin, which is close to me. So I contacted him and he said, Matt's into the high yellow animals and um, Jager just didn't fit in any of his breeding projects. So we met up uh, between the Dallas area and Waco. We, we met in, uh, I mean, Austin, we met in Waco and, and I picked up the animal. It was a beautiful male, um, you know, designer type. My first designer animal, which essentially means it was just bred for uh he happened to be uh, bred for melanism, and he had some blue, some blue lineage in him as well. And so once I got him, I figured if well, if he gets established well here in the next few months, then I'll just breed him to one of the two females that I had. And uh, after talking with uh, several people that I trusted in the chondro community, and, and again, that's a great thing about the chondro community and, and the in the carpet community. If you if you're involved with the right people. You know, you can call these people and you can ask them, hey, you know, what, what do you think I should do? Who do you think I should pair her with? And after talking to a few people, I decided to pair her with the Wamina girl. She was big, but she was unproven. And so I said, yeah, let's, you know, let's see what happens. I'm going to post a picture of Jager kind of while we're talking up on uh, yeah. the Python radio. Uh, I think you, you guys obviously know what he looks like. But he, he's a beautiful animal. Um, he's... Uh, melanistic let me get our my pictures up here um so i had him in my collection and mm. so i let him transition and in the fall uh started my cooling and i decided to pair him with uh the wamina because the thought was is that she would be able to maybe make more melanistic babies um than the biak because she was probably a red baby the biak couldn't really tell if she was red or yellow um, and Jager had been known to throw some melanistic offspring in the past. So yeah, picture of Jager, and then I'll throw up a picture of, uh, of the Wamina real quick that I decided to breed him with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the goal was, was to increase the melanism in the clutch. And so I, I paired those two together and, I'll just I'll post a picture of one of Jager's previous offspring, not um, from a different animal, and I couldn't I couldn't find a picture of the female that uh, produced this male with Jager. I don't know if you guys are able to oh, see it yet. That's so cool he's, he's got a lot of melanism um, as well. 
So I paired them together. I let them do the deed. And then sure enough, um, I was both horrified and ecstatic to see, let's see, uh, see this picture I'm going to post up right now. And that's the big female ovulating. And I've Mm -hmm. never seen an ovulation uh, like that in a carpet or really in a ball python either. I was when I first Holy saw hell. it, terrified um, that she was even going yeah. to survive. Um, but she did survive, and, and again, with a lot of help from uh, particularly Buddy through this point, he got me through, you know, one of the things I think really, really increased my chances of her producing and producing a lot of viable eggs was soaking her. You know, I soaked her after mm-hmm. she ovulated, you know, at least once a week until she laid her eggs just to make sure that um, – she was hydrated. And then we did some other things that are pretty standard, you know, make sure you take the perches out. Um, so she doesn't lay from the perch and make sure you don't have a large water bowl in there because they're stupid enough to lay eggs in their water bowl. So, you know, buddy and a few other people guided me through, um, you know, through this process. And, you know, those of us that are used to breeding Royal and carpet pythons, once, you know, once you see an ovulation, you know, you're, you're good to go. I mean, you're out of the woods mm-hmm. and you, you know, for the most part, you're going to, you're going to get a good clutch and good babies. And that's far from the truth with the green trees because the eggs just tend to be more, more fragile and more delicate. And, and the incubation seems to, to go awry more frequently than, than the carpets. But I did end up with 24 eggs on no slugs and incubated wow. those eggs. And I had 23 babies crawl out of the eggs, which I was ecstatic about. And of the 23, 20 were red and three were yellow. So again, you know, just trying to hit on that melanism, you know, wanted to really try to play into the melanism. I was uh, happy to see that such a high percentage of the clutch were red babies. Um, Wow. Buddy, buddy again, helped me along with a lot of other people to get these animals going. They were not, when I, hatched the Aru clutch out the year before I ended up with six babies. They all ate immediately. Six out of six. Okay. Just, you know, as soon as you, it's like, wow, this, this chondro stuff is easy. Eating these babies is easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was payback with this clutch because the animals, because there were so many eggs, the animals were so much smaller and um, they were difficult feeders. And I lost uh, all three of the yellow babies survived, but I ended up losing six or seven of the red babies. And I had to send some animals to Buddy, but he got several established. But just by sheer luck, nothing other than that, the one standout in the clutch ended, you know, ended up thriving. It ate relatively quickly. And um, let me post a picture of his Neo picture. He was, um, from the get-go of the 20 red babies, he was the one that looked um, most unique. And talking to some people that had, Fred Christian Stewart guided me a lot on, you know, kind of what to look for. Um, but he was the really the darkest and the least pattern of the 20 red babies that, that came out of that egg. So I was pretty excited. Right. I knew I was going to keep him. Um, and I posted a picture of his Neo picture. And wow. then I'll post a picture of him. I say him. It when it was like eight months old. And... Uh, again, you know, he's keeping a kind of a uniformly dark pattern, still reduced. I was still 
still looks significantly different from a lot of the other babies. Um, and then at 10 months old is when he really started. I started thinking, well, you know, this this could be really, you know, something pretty cool here because the other babies yeah. had started – at this point, it started to change, and they were changing differently than what this thing was doing. It was turning darker and darker, and the rest of them were turning lighter and lighter. So wow. the next, I think the That's next so picture. Cool. Next picture I have it would be a year old, and and again I'm I'm watching you know I had sold a few of the other babies, but I'm watching ten other animals or twelve other animals change at the same time, and this one is just so freakishly different that you know I just just kept my fingers crossed, kept my fingers crossed that it just kept eating, and, you know didn't open up its cage and it just be completely green overnight. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. It's it turned green like it was supposed to. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it did what, it, what comes naturally to green tree pythons. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. So that's a year old. And then this picture was just taken a couple of weeks ago. This is at 16 months. And this is when, you know, you really start to get excited because not only is green not coming in, but blues the blue starting to come in, and um, oh, oh, oh. Oh, so you know, oh, holy shit! <laughs> oh, again, wow. I, I've kept amazing. I've kept up with um, a lot of its offspring. Uh, I only kept I kept that animal and one other clutchmate. Really? Oh, really? And wow. um, I kept as wow. many as many of them as locals I could, but my point is, is that one, that one was just such the standout that I knew if I was only going to keep a few, you know, for sure that one was going to be hanging around. And, um, so, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things, just one of those stories where you just never in my wildest dreams five years ago, did I think I'd be able to produce something that looked like that. I mean, that's something that, yeah. I was just I was just hoping if I could produce anything five years after acquiring my first um, chondros that I'd be happy and and, and right. felt very feel very fortunate. Um, but everything lined up with this clutch. It's just one of those things where and I just wanted to share that story because I hope it's inspirational to people not not for con not necessarily chondros but you know just get a project have a goal have you know have something that you yeah. you want to work for work towards and. Shit! If you get lucky and you get help, maybe it'll happen. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's the only cool about that snake is uh, not the black and the blue, Bill. I mean, that's amazing, but I like the red. Yeah. It's on the head. Yeah. Because yeah. in my opinion, that I think that red and orange are going to be the next kind of color mutation that's going to replace. Not an animal like yours, that, but like the the red, you know green snakes with a little bit of black. I think the red and the orange. That's going to be the next thing. Oh God! Is that right? Damn it! <laughs> that that's my opinion. Um, just I've yeah. seen animals with red and I've seen them with orange, um, and I think that is. And Bill, here's what I would do: if that was a male, I would not breed that female until. That male is ready, and then I would put that male back with that female. Bring it back with the female. 
That's what I would do if that's a male. If that's a male, I would just keep her rocking and rolling, and then when he's ready to go, I'd put him back with his mom. Yeah, I think he is a male just based on his um, size progression. Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd say he's a male. I haven't I haven't sexed it yet. I'll, I was right. I'll, I'm going to throw up another picture real quick, and I'll just show you one of its siblings. And this is much more what clutch the clutch typically is looked like this was my other holdback and it's a it's a fantastic animal it's it's melanistic uh it's green is is fantastic um but it's obviously uh just completely night and day you know to that mm-hmm. other animal right yeah so, um, <clears throat> so that's how the rest that's all and i've kept up with the vast majority of the babies that the i've babies. let go yeah. the red bait and they all are varying degrees of, of the last picture that I posted. Um, so just, just a very, you know, just a very strange. I, I told Eric it was one in a thousand. It's probably one in 10,000 chance that something That's so cool, like that, that I would, you know, something like that would, would happen, uh, you know, to me, <laughs> may, you know, maybe, maybe Christian yeah. or maybe Buddy or maybe Marshall yeah, or Gary <laughs> or, you know, somebody <laughs> like that, you know, to pop out something like that, but not, not for me. But, it's a one in a thousand chance that it pops out, and it's also a one in a thousand chance that you held on to it instead of selling it and doing the whole seller's remorse of, oh my God, how did I let that <laughs> one go? <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. oh, God. Oh, man. It's also a one in a thousand chance that I didn't seal it along with your rough scale pythons when I was in tech. <laughs> so uh. it is, <laughs> is awesome. And the sibling, you're right, the melanistic is there, but the green is awesome, and it, 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 they contrast each other so well. It's really cool to sit there and be like, these two are siblings. What yeah. the hell? So it, that's just awesome. I mean, that's just a really cool animal. It's a chondro so thing. Add that, yeah, add that to the list. When I come to steal the rough scales, tell me to get that one too. <laughs> uh, so I have a off-the-wall question. What do you think is going to happen when the albino becomes more readily available? I know you guys were talking to uh, Marshall about this on your last uh, show, um, you know, and man, that, that guy, he really put some years on that project. Um, Boy. Is that like, I mean, what do you think is going to happen to those type of projects? Is that like the next level or? I, I think it will be, but I think, you know, we're talking years, but let's let's really put the number out there. Fourteen years yes. is what it wow. has taken. Fourteen years. I know people that came into the chondro world that were, you know, made big bold claims that they were going to set the world on fire. They were going to change this and that, and they were, you know, they were going to be the chondro breeder, and they lasted two. Um, Marshall, Marshall's been not. I mean, he's working on this project for 14 years. He's been keeping them longer than that. So think about 14. Think about what you were doing 14 years ago. Um, yep. And think Ooh, about have you, uh, <laughs> right, have you? I think. Yeah. What What's the longest term goal school. you've ever probably you know accomplished? Um, you know, most people think goals four or five years out, and then they, you know they they you know they reprioritize and move on to other things. Um, that in its own right is amazing to me to, just to see that someone who can have the patience 
and the and also the ability to overcome the pitfalls. Now he hatched out a yellow and a red albino, and they were live viable neonates, but they never ate, and so they died. <laughs> talk about a kick in the gut. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, he didn't walk away. He is still working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My hats off to him, man. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty geez. impressive, you know. Um, you know, but that's another that's another example of all that hard work. He still had to be lucky. You know, yeah. he yeah. still had to be lucky. The animals that he's working on, you know, they weren't 100% hats. You know, he still needed right. to have everything that seems to bring a really cool experience together. Um, you know, luck is in there. Yeah, that's 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 definitely a good feeling at the end of the day. I mean, you put the work in, you you, you dedicate yourself, you stay focused because that's hard. I, I mean, I guess you guys can relate. It's hard, like uh, at least Owen knows, like every week talking yeah. to somebody different. Uh, you know, about the project that they're doing and you're like, you get excited because they're excited and you want to, you want to do it. And sometimes that changes your focus. And then you're like, no, I stay back on track. What are you doing? You know, like, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't <laughs> stay on the road, you know, but um, right. man, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. So <clears throat> when you put that, let's say Bill, you would put that animal with an albino, like, what do you think? What, what's the, What's the vision of what that will look like? I would really even have no idea. I haven't seen, I haven't seen enough albino uh, chondros to even ha- have an image or an idea. Ah. I mean, it, again, it's a, it's a massive. It would be a massively long project. You have to get the hats, um, and you know you can't breed a breed a female chondro at, at three years old. Um, no, it's a uh, you know Christian Stewart um, who I. Who I have a lot of respect for. He breeds his animals, his females at five years old, um, and that's when he starts. You know, that's when he tries. Right. So, but you know, it's just it's it's an incredibly long project. Wow, <clears throat> man, that's pretty cool. I guess it's similar to like yeah. diamond pythons. That's uh, they're 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 similar in that vein. It's brettles are like that too. Take a while to grow up. You know, you have to be patient. Yeah. Got to be patient. Yep. Yep. Stay the That's... course. Or you can do what Owen did and buy the adult bread life from somebody else, and then you don't have to wait at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, you could do that as well. <laughs> Great victory. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that's a funny thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because Bill and I have talked about this before. It, you know, my experience is then uh, older chondros, seem to not be able to make the transition well to a new place. Um, mm-hmm. The best the best experience I have had with adult condors coming to my collection is that I actually went and brought the entire cage hmm. to my oh. place. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, minor, you know, I, I had a, a friend of mine send me a female, and she's still here actually, um, I, I wanted to buy them from her eventually. He bought some animals. He had something going on in his life. And the animal he actually had purchased from me, so he sent it back to me. And I, I was going to hold it. And then eventually he said, you know, I just don't have the time. So anyway, I bought the snake. 
Well, she she didn't eat for me for for over a year. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, wow. that's and a long time. I, I established her. She left here at two. She came back at three. Um, so, you know, it was. You talk about eventually. I was just like, hey, you know what? The snake's gonna eat sooner or later. Um, I had no idea it would be that long, but. But, you know, and I've had other animals that come in as adults, you know, they just wouldn't settle down, and I would just have to, you know, hey, you need to get this animal back to your place. It's it's nonstop cruising. I'm worried it's going to hurt itself, you know, smash its head against, mm. you know, something or another, and that's not what I want to go down. I've had, you know, some adult animals come in. They've, uh, you know, within a month or two, they've, they've developed a respiratory infection, and, um, so I, I, I try to steer away from adults. I mean, I would, wouldn't say never, ever do that, but I'm just saying my opinion is that the younger the animal, the more, I guess, plastic they are and able to to adjust to a new environment. Right. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, the, the I'm going to knock on wood, but the adult Aru that I got from you, uh, Bill, um, he's rock solid. Good. It's the baby good. I had the trouble with. <laughs> good, good. I mean, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. And um, I'm certain you weren't keeping them any differently. It's not like you were giving the adult uh, fresh water more often or the no. temperatures, I'm sure, no. are the same and all that. I mean, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I think the babies, even though that, that animal is well established and you had it for a while, um, you know, I was given the, the advice, and maybe Buddy will comment on this, you know, probably the, the best first condor that you get is a sub-adult um mm-hmm. you know because it's uh you got you got more lead way in the husbandry if it doesn't eat for a little while it's okay um but he mentioned the the full adults not transitioning as well but you know maybe that that 18 month old animal um you know would be a really good first chondro for you know for people i think the babies do you know they, they do have a little harder time transitioning yeah. Right. I think I think all my condros have been in the eighteen month range. Is that I, right? No, I'd have to I'd have to ask Buddy. That they all came from him. Yeah, that seems about yeah. right. About a year to eighteen months. Yeah, that seems about that right. That it. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's it. So. All right. I don't know so. I hope it hasn't soured. I hope that hasn't soured your uh, your condro experience because Buddy's right. I've lost animals. I know Buddy's lost yeah. animals. Um, I have. You know, so that's yeah. that's oh, just soured that's my just experience. No, yeah. no, 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 absolutely not. No, okay. no. Okay. It just before I go and get more, my thing is is like really trying. Okay, so I got to dig a little deeper to find out. You know, was it something that I did? Do I have to tweak something that I'm doing? Is this just yeah. something that just happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it it just makes me take a step back. Um, sure. I, I guess it was sort of like what you guys were saying earlier, you know, uh, buddy was saying this is like, <clears throat> you don't just buy it on an impulse. Um, you know, um, you know, somebody like Matt, he's having, you know, great success. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah, baby. and we yeah. live like right by each other. So, you know, I, I, you know, it just, it is what it is. Um, speaking of that, I was over his place sexing, um, uh, uh, Borneos and short tails, which you know that was great. It fun. Was apparently, it's Alaska. <laughs> yeah, 
So. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Let me tell this quick story. Um, so yeah, I, I, we're, we're doing the Borneos and everything is relatively easy, you know, mild mannered, no issues, blah, blah, blah. And if anybody's ever sex Borneos, they're very difficult to sex if you don't know what you're doing, because everything looks like a male. Um, it has to do with the way that the hemipenes come out and they bend a certain way and look a certain color. Um, and if, if, if you have a female, they sort of some they go straight up, you know, whereas males kind of curve in, but they both have hemipenes. Um, oh well, they don't great. have hemipenes, but it looks like they have hemipenes anyway. Anyway, so we get to the blood pythons and Matt's kind of like saying, yeah, these are a little feisty or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'm getting cocky because I haven't been bit. The time before I got that <laughs> bit like crazy. Uh, so I reach in and this thing must have thought I was a mouse. It constricted my finger. That's It was on there so tight. Oh, my God. I couldn't get it off. We go to put it under. We're putting it under hot water, put it under cold water. It won't let go. This thing was like in death's grip. I'm furious like, that Matt didn't get pictures. <laughs> Uh, oh, my oh yeah i know i was i was bleeding like crazy i'm like uh he's like i told you to handle it. it's like like it's venomous like it's venomous you know just grab the head <laughs> you uh, did that was but, bar, uh, bar check venomous <laughs> yeah yeah right uh, but anyway when we were there he he just had his first clutch of chondros and I thought maybe you could throw this out, you know, for him and for anybody else that's going through the same thing. He's having difficulty with some of them getting them to eat. Um, any tips or tricks you could uh, throw out there? Send them to Buddy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, it is a learning. It's it's a it's a steep learning curve. Um, one thing we haven't talked about, but I'll, I'm going to cram this in there as well, is that uh, people often say, "Why are these? You know, why why are condors 300, 400 bucks?" And they often feel that they're overvalued. And and um, I had a young man who we went back and forth for a while, and eventually he bought a snake from me, and we went back and forth on price, and I stood firm, and um, you know, pretty much said, "Hey, you know, you're not going to get a snake." of this quality at this price from anyone else. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I'm pretty fair on my pricing. Um, and, you know, this is the price. And, you know, he begrudgingly paid it. Um, the snake did well for him. He got another one from me. Again, we went through the same thing. Well, he finally produced his first clutch this year. And I will not say that he's had an easy time, but one of the comments he made is, the amount of effort that I've had to put into these babies, I now understand why they, why people charge the money that they do. And I agree. Um, it takes a lot of effort and um, you, it's not one of the snakes. This is not a species of snake that it feeds two times and you send it out to a new home. It just doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. Um, right. And it, it, it takes work and it takes effort, but um, kind of what Bill said, um, not to send them to me, but um, <laughs> I I've got some magic dust here that makes chondros eat. But my opinion is um, I've had to happen with other people who send me babies, and I've gotten to eat. But I really think it's them being moved to a different location. 
um, that stimulates the, the feeding response. Um, you know, that, that's just my opinion. Um, uh-huh. So I would try that. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe send them to Eric for a couple of days and then bring them back if Eric doesn't want to try to mess with them um, or, or something like that. Um, uh, one of the things that I've really have taken a, a like to is if the babies are aggressive enough, um, you guys, I think I had mentioned you had seen a, I did a video years and years ago of a, mm-hmm. uh, one chondro I had from the clutch, and he was a pinkhead eater. And it would take like, you know, 20, 15, 20 minutes to get this snake to eat a pinkhead. And mm-hmm. I, I did a video of it eating the pinkhead. So um, my friend Tim had told me that he had had some success with mouse tails and that he thought that uh, it being a little bit smaller and in diameter than a pinkhead, but longer than a pinkhead, it kind of teaches them to like chew forward, you know, chew and bring the, the prey item back into the mouth so they're chewing forward. And he also thought that if you do it the right way, the, the hair on the mouth tail kind of prevents them from spitting it out. So um, this year I used it for, I had a clutch of babies and they were the meanest babies I've ever hatched. They, they stood their ground. They would not run. And I was actually able to get mouse and they wouldn't eat anything either. So that you would get them, you know, they'd, they'd throw the pink. Um, so I was actually able to get the, the pink tails into their mouth and they would sit there with this pink tail in their mouth. And then they would, after a few minutes, they would just start swallowing it on their own. And I just kept doing that, and eventually they progressed to pinky. So I would try that. I like chick scent. That's like one of the things I do almost immediately. Is that if they don't, if if they're not uh, interested in a pink, or they seem kind of interested, but they're not, like they're grabbing a hold of it and constricting it, but dropping it, I go to chick fuzz right away. I don't wait like two or three weeks. I go almost immediately. Um, and the other thing is I, I, I'm a firm believer in daytime feeding. So it has worked very well for me. I get 90% of my animals established by daytime feeding. Um, and th- those are the basic tricks that I use. Okay. okay. And, uh, you know, uh, Buddy mentioned the, his video. But if you get on YouTube, there are a lot of good feeding baby chondro videos I think a lot of people are just way too gentle with them um, as opposed to tease feeding them. Uh, they try to maybe right. push, push the prey right. item up along their nose or their face, which usually doesn't work. But if, if you'll get them on the side of the neck or a certain area on their back, they'll turn around and they'll grab that thing. And so there's a lot, a lot of good feeding videos um, on YouTube that you can look at. Another uh, trick that I've, or a tip that I would offer is that um, don't give them space above their body to crawl up. So when I slide out the tub, if the baby's at the very front of the tub, I just take the tub completely out and I put the baby so that the the top of the rack is covering the baby. And it seems to give them, make them feel a little bit more secure that way. So, you know, I've had animals that won't even... They'll strike, but won't even grab an animal in the open. But as soon as you rotate that tub around, it's a different response. Do you do? Have you have either of you ever tried or heard anybody try braining? Does that work at all for chondros getting a response? 
I've tried braining and it hasn't worked. I've tried. I'll run down a list of the things I've tried. I've tried Don't egg worry. yolk. I've tried egg whites. Oh. I've <laughs> tried uh, juice from uh, salt-free tuna, canned tuna. Yeah. Um, yeah. None of that has worked. Uh, nope. Someone, someone one day while I was out front at my house hit a squirrel and killed it, and I thought, I'm going to go squirrel fuzz off the back of that tail. So I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Desperation. <laughs> Desperation. Holy wow. shit. <laughs> that did not work. Um, <laughs> so all that's for nothing. <laughs> yes, all that. Well, you know, I just walked out there, scissors, and cut it off. My wife's looking at me like, you've got to be crazy. Of course she knows I am. But I was saying, did your wife see you, like, wandering up to the stage school going, I'm going to cut this for Condros? Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, she's okay. like, you at least got it off the road. But, I, you know, I don't care. But um, she's right. I probably should have been more respectful and got off the road. And then uh, the other thing that I found works well with the maybe 5 or 6% of the babies that don't want anything else is either dribble fuzz. So mm-hmm. pull fuzz off mm-hmm. a frozen dribble, pull fuzz off, or pull fuzz off a frozen hamster. Those seem to work. I'm going to mention okay. uh, something also that I haven't tried, but that um, I'm dying to try is, are you guys familiar with Reptilinks? It's the, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yes. the yes. sausages yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that Nick Hebley produces. Well, they just came out with a version that is made from um, frogs. Scientific oh grade. Oh my God! Really? Frogs. Yes. Hmm. So they wow. make them in a. I'm mo- gonna wait for the. I'm gonna wait for the gecko one when they start grinding geckos <laughs> into sausages. Then I'm gonna be set. But, yep, absolutely. I think the frog. You know, I think it's got a good chance of. Uh, it's they, they make a micro and a mini. The micro is one to three grams, and I think the mini is maybe five to ten grams. Huh. So. Hmm. Um, Yes, I'm. I'm definitely anxious to try that. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I would I'm think that that would. Uh, again. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Have you, so I'm. I uh, I've been working with Anteresia as of late, and um, you know, I, I bring up the braining thing simply because um, I have a pygmy python. You want to talk about small? Oh Lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord, boy! I had no I idea that small is that small. So put it this way: it ate a small pinky, and it had a lump in its stomach, like a carpet <laughs> python that ate a jumbo rat. <laughs> you know, it's oh like my. holy shit! Wow. Uh, and this thing's a year old. Um, oh, but, cow! Uh, what, do you, what do you feed it as a baby? Uh, what? Pinky, pinky, like, pinky, legs? pinky legs? Yeah, pinky legs? Yeah, pinky legs? Heads? Don't want it. Yep. Yep. Not going to do it. Don't want it. So one of the things that the Antaresia guys tell me is that you can sometimes wrap a pink in like, um, like say uh, if you have like a pet gecko or something, you wrap it in the gecko shed. And uh, has anybody used that with chondros? You know, sheds. No, not, not sheds, but I have frozen geckos in my freezer. Okay. Um, and you so scent with a gecko, yeah. pink with a gecko, yeah. yeah. So I'll snap the tail, that and uh, chop it up, and put a couple drops of water in it, and I dip a pink head in it. And have you had success uh, with that? 
I have had success with that. Okay. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, you know, being people who are honest is, you know, most of the times keep the animals myself and then I get them to the vet just to make sure that there's nothing in there that, that shouldn't be there. Um, and, you know, I, a lot of people are turned off by the fact that it ate, a, you know, the scent, you used a reptile for a scent. Um, right. The male that Vita Cernok has that I produced, that actually, I started that snake on geckos. Yeah. And oh, actual it, geckos. Actual geckos. Yep, frozen geckos. And... Um, after three or four geckos, I was then able to get it to take uh, pink scented geckos. And when Vita and I were talking about it, I told Vita, you know, hey, this snake has been fed reptiles. And um, before I went out to Vita, I actually, you know, I, I'd have fecals run, and it had to be, we had to run a, a, a parasite protocol on it um, hmm. to to make sure, you know, to clean up what it had. So it did have paras- it did have parasites. Yeah, it had. I believe reptile pinworms is what it had. I can't remember. It's been a long time now. Fucking, uh, you know, seven eight years down the road. But, um, but yeah. So, and you know, but Vito was okay with it. He seemed to be okay with it. Snake seems to be doing well now. But, so you know, if you use those type of things, I think you know you need to be honest to the people who, if the snake leaves your collection, and also if you're going to keep it, you need to be just willing to. Uh, go the extra step and make sure that they're not, yeah. you know, contaminating anything else. Um, and I also keep, I also have some frozen frogs in the freezer as well. Frogs are a little bit easier. I just, I don't take any body parts. I just, they're frozen. I just put a couple drops of water and, you know, squish it around and t- don't break the animal up. And I take and dip the uh, tank in that well. And that works for some animals too. Um, yeah, but I, you know, ninety to ninety-five percent of the animals I have started the other way, and usually I don't even go to the lizard or frog center unless I'm really, really frustrated, and that you know I'm worried that the last time I actually used those scenting was uh, that animal that's on the um, YouTube video. So I was going away on vacation. I was worried that thing was going to die on the kid that was taking care of my snakes. And I didn't want him to have that burden, so I, I actually thought out a pink and some lizard, and it, it ate right away. <laughs> so, wow, that's good. Okay, um, there's uh, there's there's three things I want to hit on before we jump off. But one was um, I know you guys just sort of leads into that, but the other side of. Um, importing chondras for sale. I think there was a guy, his name was uh, Michael Guerra, I think. Um, he had uh, some some chondro and it had a bump on it. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what it was. Um, I don't know if you, you guys know what it was, but is that, uh, let's say, the dark side of importing chondros and working with these, quote unquote, farm bred babies? Um, well, so what that was most likely was, a, you know, a, a subcutaneous parasite. Um, you know, David Haston would be the one to probably talk about. He could probably idea right away. Um, 
And you normally see those in in wild caught animals or animals that have been established with, you know, frogs or lizards, which um the three people I know that actually visited uh some of the well known chondro farms actually said that, you know, they've been in the facility and seen baby chondros in tubs with small geckos and frogs. They were offering us food. So so we do know they do it. Um Okay. So Yes, that that is one of the downside is that um, a lot of people assume that the animal coming in from the farm um, is completely clean, and you know that may be, but you also should be um, willing to go the extra step just to verify what that was. I think I, I don't know who that person bought the snake from, um, and I don't know how it was represented. But I do know that that individual is actually looking for an animal at a, a specific price range, and um, I was actually able to point him into the direction of three or four snakes that fit the bill. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he he went for the animal that that had that had that parasite, um, and. You know, it comes. I think. I think the decision is. I can't speak for the person who made the sale, but I think it came down to the fact that the animals I had posted up were what we call mutts. They were either had been, you know, established lines in captivity that no one really knows, what, you know, where they where they originated from locality-wise before they started doing locality data on on chondros. Um and so you know, just knowing how what people like to buy. They like being able to say that their snake is this. So this snake is a, you know, Joplera. The snake is an Aru. The snake is a blue line animal. The snake is, you know, a lemon tree animal. So people like to put the labels on it. And I don't think that the animals that I pointed in his direction had the the labeling that maybe he was looking for. To his credit and to, whoever, and to the person, to the credit of the person who sold the snake, um, they took it back. So he was able to sent it back, and he actually picked up another animal from probably one of the, the best people you could buy a, a locality neonate from, and it, it seems to have been a really good outcome for, for Michael. Awesome. That's, a good, okay, that's, that's good. a good That's a good ending to that story. Yeah. Cool. Could have been a whole lot worse. <laughs> yeah. There's been, some, there's been some really good bargains good deals on captive bred animals uh lately that that I know buddy you've come across we've come across you know some really nice animals for the you know in the 400 500 price range and it's just a no brainer if you're going to pay $300 for a a farm bred animal and then you got to spend $100 on it taking it to the vet um mm-hmm. god you know it's just <laughs> uh, just a no brainer yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. It probably goes back to what we talked at the beginning of the show about the people looking for the uh, for the deal. You know, it's just like I guess they feel better when uh, we all have had stories where you know somebody has the cash but they're looking to undercut it, and you know, you know they just feel oh like I I got a deal. You know, like <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we all want that. We all want deals. I mean, uh, sure. I'm not going to tell you I don't mm-hmm. want a deal, but um, sure. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes those deals aren't the deal you bargained for. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. you have to really, really, you know, 
make sure you're making the right decision. Um, you know, the other thing we've, we've seen a lot of is that uh, we've seen a lot of Let's let's jump back for a second. Let's just say that ten years ago, or eight years ago, or seven years ago, there's a lot of, and there always are a lot of condors coming into the U.S. But there was a lot of condors coming in under the you know farm farm bred label, and uh-huh. people there was whispers that um, you know people had gut feelings that these aren't farm-bred animals, these look like wild-caught chondros, and there's really no evidence to that, so a lot of people just kind of, you know, told people in the know, hey, you know, be careful. There was a whole learning curve for people who were coming in the chondros. People are kind of taught, hey, this is how you can tell this animal's captive bred, and this is how you can tell if this animal is a farm-bred, a legitimate farm-bred animal, and this is how you can tell if if this animal is wild-caught. Um, a lot of that stuff is one away, and um, but anyway, uh, four or five years ago, someone actually did some valid scientific research and shockingly found that at that time, when the research was being done, 80% of the chondros coming into the United States were actually wild-caught animals that were purposely being mislabeled as farm-bred animals because mm-hmm. you really can't. You, it's illegal to bring a wild caught chondro into the United States. Um, right. And when did it be? In, hey, buddy, when did it become illegal? Do you know the year? You know, I, yeah. I think in ninety. I, I think they signed the onto this ninety-five. I believe. I, I can't say for certain. Um, but that's about the time in the late nineties when a lot of the localities started popping up, like Deox and a whole bunch of other localities, which just aren't around anymore and you know I always I always want to know like well what happened like I remember for me there was the uh there was uh Bocadinis and Womanas they were like the locale to have as a matter of fact might face chondros were directly related to what we call the highland animals which we now call Womanas um and that kind of like sparked this whole interest in making melanistic chondros um mm-hmm along with some of the designer lines that were making animals. So those were like the hot localities. and um, But you don't see them anymore. I was, you know, I always wonder, right. well, why, you know, why don't we why see not? them anymore? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, is, is it, you know, you have to ask yourself, and I'm not going to tell you the answer to this because you need to figure it out for yourself, but, you know, are they valid localities um, that just they can't get them anymore? Um, or have they been over, or were they the animals that were coming in? Were they wild caught and they had been over collected at one specific location? So they just they're right. not as yeah. you know they're scarce now and you can't get them. Or are they now a different locality because you know that locality lost its buzz? So let's you know do we do we, we make it something else? Name? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know uh, any of that. You know how any of that plays into it. Um, one of the things, interesting discussions I like to see is that, well, you know, it is Indonesia. And when people say that, they mean that Indo's not connected to us. They know what we like as far as condors. Um, uh-huh. Right. They they follow what we do as far as trends. I mean, we have people in uh, both of the uh, 
Facebook groups I belong to that are from Indonesia who put up photographs. <laughs> so they have that capability. If they can put up photographs of snakes from Indonesia, they probably can look at what we're doing on the Internet with our breeding projects. Mm-hmm. Um, great example is they've, you know, Bushmaster Farm has done some locality crosses because I guess they've seen what we've done here in the States. A ruby axe are very popular. The farms picked up on it. They started making a ruby axe available. A couple of people did canary by Beox or Kofi right. out by Beox. The farms have done Kofi out by Beox. So they do know what we like. Um, and they are aware of, of what will sell here. So, you know, animals are selected based on that. Um, so they are, they are in touch with our stuff. Um, so, wow. you know, what's going over there on over there now, I can't say for certain because I'm not there. And Daniel's the two who did the research. I actually put a link up to the, to that research paper in the, uh, the chat group. Um, if everyone wants, anyone wants to go read, read that, that research, yeah. how it was accomplished and how it was done. But, um, so, uh, we noticed uh, on the one forum that we kind of belong to, kind of it's an international forum, so kind of anything goes. And uh-huh. we 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 kind of let people put stuff up there, even though I'm, I always am not in agreement with it. Um, but we do have things we don't want to see. We don't want to see uh, animals in bad shape. And we have seen this year in particular a lot of sub-adult, adult chondros that are just in bad shape physically. Um, And that's not good because that tells me that the person who's selling that snake either A, doesn't care Mm. either about the snake or the person getting that snake or is so – doesn't have enough knowledge about the species that they are selling to recognize when an animal is in poor condition. So right. either one that's, of those yeah, is that, not that's a good so, thing. Not good. That's yeah. so key. And, and it's probably the latter of those two most of the time. You know, a lot of the animals that you see that are import driven get in the hands of people that have no idea how to take care of the animals. They have no right. idea. They don't. They don't know how to take care of a healthy animal, much less an animal that may be stressed or sick. Right. Yeah. I. You know, locality is one of those things that, uh, for me, um, it's it's very similar to the thing with the scrubs. Um, you know, uh, scrub pythons. It's the same thing used to be said. Like you know. Um, you know, they would know, uh, that, you know, we wanted scrubs from this particular area, you know, Highland scrubs were ones that were, you know, highly sought after. And, um, you know, they know that. And, uh, you know, from talking to scrub guys, they'll say that, you know, okay, well, it's not a Highland animal, but, uh, they're going to say that it is because that, you know, and then it becomes yeah. a new locality type of deal. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, I am, I guess, I guess I would be for, um, certain people, you know, I guess my frustration is, is that there's, there's not people that are, are 
taking on these new bloodlines, I guess, if you would say, I guess maybe because it's illegal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be, that you know, could be it. That, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, well, but, I think um, people are, I, I mean, I, yeah. I think people do, I think there is an interest. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't want to come across as I don't. I don't believe in localities. I do believe there are localities. Do I believe sure. that? Um, I, I I kind of uh, kind of follow what science has put out there. So we know there's research saying there are five distinct geographical regions of chondros. I kind of try to base my localities on that. Do I believe right. every micro locality? I personally don't. And one right. of the reasons I don't is because when we were at ICAST and Daniel Bush was talking about chondros and his study of chondros, he showed that there's a wide natural variation of chondros all over Indo. So, sure. Right. Um, so, you know, that – so but some of the new bloodlines, uh, briefly what I'll say about that is um, – I think that some of those new bloodlines are probably legitimate localities. Um, however, this goes back to being patient. If you really think that localities exist and you really want to work with good quality locality animals, your best right. choice would be to purchase, you know, these neonates from the farms in Indo from reputable sources that aren't going to tell you what you want to hear, but are going to tell you the truth. Right. And have patience to allow the farms to bring in the new localities to establish a breeding project to bring babies to us in the U.S. market. Unfortunately, the farms have figured out it's rather labor-intensive to... Breed chondros to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes it is. Right. So you've got to, you know, say you go out and catch a, a subadult animal. Maybe you've got to wait two or three years. So in the two to three years, you have to house the animal. You have to feed it. You know, I'm assuming you have to pay rent on a building. You have to pay people to take care of the animals. Right. So you know, it's, they they want to generate a price point. Um, uh-huh. I think they actually, you know, think about their business model. Well, I could go that route, but then I could also or, I could pay someone to go collect these animals, I could say that they're farm bred, and then the animals are here temporarily just as a temporary housing, and then they're shipped out, so I have very little overhead, very little cost for me and make probably more profit than if they're actually producing a, a, a baby from the same locality. Right. Right. Get it done that way. Hmm. Hmm. So let's talk. Let's, are difficult. While we're on that, I want to talk about. <laughs> I want to talk about one of the greatest yeah. shams ever <laughs> with localities. Okay. And that is, um, yeah, I guess maybe a decade ago now, they were initially called canary condors. Came onto the U.S. market. Canary condors. They were solid yellow adults. Yeah, I, I remember. They, um, go ahead. I, I mean, I remember the canary counters. They were like bright yellow. They were supposed to be from something special, and everybody went kind of gaga over them. Oh yeah, so they, you know, they came in yeah. things were bright yellow. Um, 
people are like going nuts over there. I mean, they're gorgeous animals. Um, and they sold a lot of them. They were sold at a good price point. Well, the the part of the sales pitch that went along with these animals was that they were an island. They were on an island, so they were an isolated population, mm-hmm. and that they happened to be serendipitously discovered on this island because these commercial loggers were on the island and had were in the process of deforesting the entire island, and they've discovered this big yellow uh, green tree, uh, yellow tree python, really, this big snake. Um, it's naturally yellow as an adult, and so their, you know, their environment's being wiped out, and so you might, they're here. You might as well buy them because, you know, their they habitat's gone. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they so so not only you know, like they're, they're gorgeous animals, but then you know we all kind of see ourselves. Oh well, you know I'm I'm very conservation minded. I'm very nature minded. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm you know maybe I should get involved with this project. This could actually be some type of like condor conservation, uh, you know, project that I'm that I'm going to be involved with. Um, you know, and a lot of people got into it and. I mean, they were they were seen to be everywhere, and they came in, and, and a lot of them eventually did turn green, or they didn't really oh turn green, but they, you know, but they some of them actually, I thought they were pretty neat looking. They actually had like a green wash, but didn't completely go green, so like a yellow undertone. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they were really neat looking animals, and you know, a lot of people were really working on it. We're working with them, and then I know one one person who was working with them and probably like 20 or 30 animals, and then their collection collapsed. Um, and you don't even see them anymore. They're not, they're very rarely found on the market. They're, I mean, you can't even find, you know, babies from, from the farms. Um, That's so so what we now know as the truth is that, uh, yeah, there might have been some deforestation going on on the island, but the entire island was not deforested. Um, huh. As a matter of fact, the reason the chondros – uh, can't be found there anymore is because they were overcollected. They're oh, still there, great. not in the numbers that they were. Um, so you know, kind of think about you know what 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 message is being played out here, and and at the end of the day, you know, when we're left holding that canary chondro bag, who was played and who wasn't. So, um, right, you know. Uh, we had Chuck on the show last year. I mean, he actually talked about, you know, he he bought into it. He bought into the fact that, you know, that the 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 island was gone and it wasn't suitable for chondros. And he's, you know, he'll tell you he feels pretty pretty bit uh, bad about that. That you know, he was a part. You know, he he bought animals based on the, that uh, that premise. So yeah, because. Rather than being part of a condor conservation, you're the thing that was you're, you're helping ripping them off the island. So, right. Yeah. I don't like wow. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I but mean, think about you know, how it could have been a different a different outcome if you know we actually didn't import them as you know mm-hmm. illegally if they were you know. If they were truly, you know, even if it was the case that they were truly deforested, if they were sent to, you know, the farms in Indo and they worked really hard 
and had the patients and established them in captivity, and then we could be reaping the reward right now of yeah. having, you know, canary chondros available to us, um, you know, from, you know, legitimate captive-born and bred babies, but it, it just doesn't happen. Well, it's because exactly what you said, buddy. You can pay somebody from Indo $2 to collect one from the mm-hmm. wild. Well, you know, yeah. and then sell it for two hundred. Well, you know, exactly. why why would you go through why the wait? process of establishing? You know, all the all the what we've talked about: getting chondros, breeding them, producing them, incubating, hatching them, getting babies established. You know, getting them deparasized if you're going to get them started on um, uh, geckos or frogs. Why would you go through all of that when you could pay somebody two dollars to go pluck one from a tree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were, uh, you know, they were gone for, you know, thousands of dollars mm-hmm. per animal here in the states. Wow. Well, wow. I, mean, <clears throat> I know you guys had, um, you know, you guys had Harlan on the show. Has it been a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, something? Yeah, um, about that. And, and you know, I listened to that show and I enjoyed listening listening to Harlan and Buddy knows. Harlan better than um, than I do. Harlan's and, and I've talked to Harlan before you went on the show, and he he, he was very um, gracious in me, and you know he he told me some of the things that he wanted to just offer his view about um, really kind of the other side of the coin about the um, you know potential advantages of bringing in imported animals, and and I agreed with a lot of what he said. You know, and if you could have an ideal situation where you could have a combination of, you know, conservationalism, you know, you could change the laws, you could be um, more um, particular whose hands these imported animals came into. I mean, you know, that would be an ideal situation, and I and, and I would support that. I, I don't think you could ever get Buddy to support it. <laughs> I, would, I would support if you could cherry pick the number of animals and who they they got to. And I told Harlan, you know, to be completely honest, I'm as concerned with the people that are getting those animals as I am with the animals themselves. You're doing right. a disservice. You're doing a disservice to most of the people that get those animals. Um, you know, so I just I don't know what the solution right. is. I wish I wish that we could come up with a good solution. Right now, it's a. I mean, I don't you know, according you know, ask Buddy. It's not a gray area, um, but I think there is a little bit of gray tingeness in those animals coming over here because some people that have the knowledge uh, to take care of them, um, you know, I think it does in the long run help our bloodlines. Um, in the United States, so but well, right. I've always found this, and and I'm glad that I'm a, actually able to ask you guys this question because you'll be able you you're more in the know than I am. But when it comes to locality stuff, it's very hard to find people that are just doing locality stuff. And what I mean by that is like, you know, okay, so when I think of a ruse, I think of Ryan Young. But Ryan Young isn't selling any Aru's. So if I want to get an Aru, 
It, you know, it's it, somebody's bred in a roux to a Bianc or somebody's bred in a roux to something <laughs> yeah. else, which I, I don't have a problem with. But, but you I think sure. – um, but I'm looking for Justin Aru. Um, yeah. I think, and again, I could be wrong, but I think Rico, I think when we had him on the show, he used to, he said that he used to do uh, X amount of what they would call entry level locality type pairings every year. And I think nobody has filled that void, um, which makes it difficult for somebody that's looking to just do that type of thing. Um, you know, it's either right. you either go to the farm yep. or, yep. you know, yeah. uh, I don't want to pay $2,000 for a snake that maybe, you know, because I remember when we went to the first carpet fest, I'm sitting there with Julie and, you know, I'm telling her, I'm like, okay, well, I'm thinking about getting into chondros. And she's like, um, start with something small, uh, keep it for a while because it just dropped dead. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> she said, um, you know, yeah, but that's, and, that's uh, Julie. Yeah, yeah, I'll be dramatic, but you know what I'm saying. Um, no sugarcoating. She didn't. What she was saying is she didn't want me to see me go and spend X amount of dollars and then you know be out that money. So she was just okay. trying to point me in the direction to say, hey, before you go jump into the deep end of the pool, why don't you splash yourself with the hose and see if you like it? Um, yep. yep. That kind of deal, which, you know, I appreciate it, you know. Um, right. But well, why? I agree. We have, you know, and we have kind of allowed the farm-bred animals, whether they be wild-caught or legitimate farm-bred animals, essentially be our entry-level animal. Um, right. And, you know, I've talked about this before on your show that, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Eric, but I'll also point this out too. So based on the number of sub-adult and adult wild-caught aroos I saw this year um, and everyone who plans to breed them, there should be, you know, maybe a thousand aroos hatched next year. Um, but the reality of it is that these animals that are coming in, these true, you know, if let's assume that, you know, hey, these are true locality animals that are being brought in, um, and so, well, where where are these a thousand arus? Well, they just don't happen because these animals come in, um, and they essentially endure uh, a, being in captivity for a long time without proper caging, food, and water. And many of them will may survive, but will never recover enough to breed. Some will, but not all of them. So a lot of your locality stuff that's coming in is just not breeding stock. Um, you know, breeding, right. you guys know you breed snakes. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talk about, oh, yeah, it's great. We hatch out snakes, but we, it's hard on the animals. Um, we all know this, the, you know, particularly the females. The females make the, the huge commitment. Um, they grow everything they need from scratch, and they need good reserves to do that. And an animal that's been kept right. in right conditions for a while just, it's going to take a while, and a lot of people assume I'm going to buy this adult aru and breed it this year because it's already adult. I don't have to have the patience to buy a legitimate farm-bred animal and take you know four years to raise it up to produce these. 
Uh-huh. So I, I think that's really why there's not a lot of locality animals. I just don't think the animals coming in, you know, when people are like, yeah, I want to breed these animals, and they, they're looking to kind of jumpstart the collection, they don't realize these animals are right. in prime shape to do that. And they lose a lot of animals along the way. So that's why we don't, we don't see them as much. Um, and, you know, so you know, that, that's my opinion. On, on why we just don't see that many uh, locality stuff. There are some people working with some great locality projects, but I mean, they they didn't happen overnight. They right. they've got generations of animals that they've worked with, and they're they're reaping the rewards. The irony they're high, is they're in high demand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those animals are in high demand. And sure. that's where I'm going with this next is so these people buy these locality projects and they essentially, even though they're, you know, locality, you know, locality, you know, X animals, they have put the human eye on them and they have selected what they feel is the best characteristics based on appearance so they've essentially turned them into designer localities, and they probably don't even represent anymore, at least outwardly, the true wild-type locality. Very similar to carpet, jungle carpet pythons. You've got the yeah, animals right. in the States that have been highly refined that are like you know, eye-popping, yeah. but look yeah. at some of the locality jungles that are on, you know, that are available to us now in the States. I mean, they're good-looking animals, but if you had to go just on appearance, which one would you pick if you were not a carpet python connoisseur? Um, so you <laughs> right. kind of say, you know, our jungle carpets are designer, designer jungle carpets because they've been selectively bred for an outward appearance that we find appealing and we know will, you know, make even better animals in the future. So even the locality projects tend to shift towards not keeping that wild type, but selecting uh, the appearance that the person who's working yeah, with them wants to enhance. Yep. Right. Yeah, I, I've I've made that argument before on the show that you know when there was uh, purist and locality people bashing morph people, um, you know I, I've asked numerous. I think I've asked Ryan this question. You know, like when you start selectively breeding for a high white aru, when does that <laughs> right. become? A more project, right. a designer project, <laughs> right. and not right. longer right. a locality project. I mean, what's the difference with me breeding, uh, you know, this snake to look like that? Uh, because this is now, you know, not locality. It's somehow not as we're not doing the same thing. So, like, to me, it's it's a bit hypocritical for people to, to get on their soapbox and talk about how it's not about the money or it's not about the the, the prestige that comes along with breeding these, you know, high-end designer type things, whether it be carpets, chondros, balls, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. Because if it wasn't, then it's the same end result. You're trying to make something nicer than it was before. Um, You're trying to selectively, whether it's selectively bred or whether it's a morph. Like these the, the people that right. talk about you know like oh I selectively bred jungles and somehow I'm 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 a purist and you know if you breed morphs then you're shit 
Uh, well, yeah, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a different it's avenue to the same end. Yeah, you're yeah. you're using yeah. your influence to make what you feel is a better looking animal. That, that's, yeah. that's the end result of everything, right? Sure. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And I got no problem with that. Neither do I. But let's just be honest about it. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? What, what, don't don't yeah. don't get on your soapbox and act like you're not you guys, but what I'm saying is like for people that come across and you know those people. We all know those people. We all know who they are. It's like as soon as you bring right. up morphs, they're like, Oh, poo poo, you morph man. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> well, Sorry, Mr. Purist. Only in it yeah. for the money. Yeah, yeah, you're only like Morse because you're in it for the money and you want to make a whole bunch of money. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, that would be nice. Like, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Pipe uh, down, Owen. I, 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 you're not helping us any, Owen. I do like, I do like yeah. money, but, you know, that's, <laughs> but, but... Damn it, you. you know, <laughs> what? Uh, more money equals more rough scales, all right? And, of course, that is what I'm in here for. So, but... That you gotta understand is that what, that is what eventually we're cooking for, and I, and I don't care, even if you were breeding something that doesn't even have a morph, uh, you're still gonna breed something that is appealing to you. Your holdbacks are gonna be what is appealing to you. You're right. altering the animals, and because uh, I hate to break it to everybody, but what the natural wild type snakes most of the time, unless they're venomous, they look brown. And disgusting <laughs> and ugly because they're supposed to hide places and not be seen. So we're right. altering how these animals look by, oh my God, that one's really bright and pretty. Oh my God, this one has a really reduced pattern. You're already this. These are snakes in environments and like that. Nobody's pure at this point. Nobody's moving back to what you wanted. And if you honest got got back to what is a pure unaltered animal, you might not even find that shit appealing. It might be right. like, oh, oh, that's what jungle carpets look like? Oh, no, no. And then that's it. So well, yep. it's, it's, it's like this. You know, the rare reptile crowd is kind of in the same vein. Is that, you know, it's very elite type of thing. But, like, think about it this way. Uh, how many people really want to work with an Owen Pelly's python because they really just like Owen Pelly's pythons? Or oh, is it because God, you want something that you can't have, <laughs> which is the reality? Uh, well, I mean, let's be right. honest. Um, it's because you can't have it. You want it. That's that's how it is for me. I, 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 I'm just being honest. And it's like, okay, man, I really like that. I wish I could work with that. I think rough scales fall into that same category. Um, you know, of course, once you work with them, I'm sure it's a different story. I think it comes down to this. I remember two years ago, sitting by Bill's pool and smoking a cigar. And he said, it's all about (laughs) tolerance. (laughs) You just have to be, you know, that's it. Tolerance. Tolerance. Yeah. I think I gave you a pretty shitty cigar that night. You were tolerant. (laughs) Yeah. I was tolerant, Bill. You know what I mean? Billy parts all his best knowledge poolside with cigars. So, yes. I mean, that's, yeah. High end, deny. low maintenance. High end, I low maintenance. Not, <laughs> I will not deny. Yes. So far, everything you said is true. But, um, so, it, it, go ahead. 
just the way it goes. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, and, and to sit there and talk down about a different type of the projects, it, it's like you can have your morphs, fine. You can have your wild types, it's cool. You can have your weird off-the-cuff pythons. I, I hate to break it to everybody. If my first breeding of Timors is successful and one of them pops up patternless, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to breed it. Why? Because it's cool looking. Because I mean, you want to make more of it. I want to make more of it because that's the way it goes. You know, and th- that is, of course, how it goes. I mean, if Bill kept that one red neonate because it looked funky and he's like, right. yeah, something's up with you. And then it yeah. turned out to be that, you know, what he got. So that's, that's right. That's just how it goes. That's just how it rolls. And again, they're all snakes in boxes. Ain't nobody getting released back into the wild. All of this is just for your I own love that. fun. So I love that. That is my ul- that is my ultimate conversation ender. Is we are yeah. all keeping, <laughs> we are yeah. all keeping these in boxes, and they they are not going back in the wild. You are not a conservationist. Yeah. No, no. Here's the problem. If, if, if we were conservation, this is, I, I used to have these conversations with people when I worked in the zoo all the damn time because somebody was talking about having tigers and breeding them and being able to release them back in the wild. And I'm like, no, you can't because your tigers are not in the breeding program. They could be semi-related. They don't want your shit. So it's right. like if we were to be in a breeding relocation program, they wouldn't want pretty ones. They wouldn't want morphs. They would want the two most unrelated critters they could find making babies, and then the babies immediately going back into the wild. Like they don't even like we're not even sure these things are going to survive. Get out of here. So that's how it rolls. So we shouldn't really give a damn about what they look for or what or how the wild types look. Have fun, knock yourself out, breed your snakes, geez. So <laughs> there we go. I've now ended this conversation. Yes, so I, have, I have two more things before we get cut off. One, I okay. listened to you guys talk about the maternal incubation thing, and I think that – hold on. I, oh, as I, was oh, I, think, I think our time's coming to a close. As no, I was, no, as no I, nice try. We timed it out right. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, because all three of you are anti-maternal uh, incubation. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to, to sway yeah. you or, you know, whatever. I'm just trying to make the point that all my fellow musicians out there will understand. So the difference between digital and analog is huge. <laughs> it's huge. I like, I like digital. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? So, all right. So, so when you plug into eggs, something and it's digital, <laughs> you know, when you plug your guitar, your Les Paul, and you plug it into – some digital electronic something, it sounds good. Yeah, it's great, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be very, uh, you know, uh, predictable, da, da, da. But when you plug a Gibson into a, into a Marshall and you turn it up to 10, there's just magic that happens. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, somebody, I can, I can somebody. tell you I know Marshall personally, and he does not like being plugged into by Gibson. Now we probably Somebody somewhere under somebody somewhere understood Eric's analogy is like, yes, 
That is one person out of our entire audience. It's Notice, like I, I started. Understand what Eric is oh, saying. You're not so, paying attention. What? I started the conversation with my fellow musicians out there will understand the my analogy. <laughs> I, I apologize. I Owen, have uh, never touched a guitar. So. Owen, can yes. you can you mute Eric? Do you have the capability to I mute can't. Eric? I don't have that power. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I would no. never he give him that buttons. capability. What are you crazy? I'd go mad. I'd go mad with power in at least yeah. five seconds flat. So <laughs> this, he, it is better for the show that he has the buttons. So okay. this is what I would sound like. Owen, stop <laughs> clicking. <laughs> just constant clicking. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I mean, I know people want to do it. I, I don't have a problem with it. Just don't make me do it. Um, no. <laughs> right. no, we can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I will, I will say, and I said this before, is that you know, right now, today, we would not have as many morphs, we would not have as many python species bred in captivity today if – we had not figured out, not not me, but other smarter people had not figured out how to remove the maternal incubation process and go artificial. Um, it really led to the first Python boom of the 90s. Um, the Rossmar checkbook was a big contributing factor to not only how to cycle pythons, but also how to make an incubator and how to incubate eggs away from the females. Um, and I think also it now gives people the freedom to say, hey, you know what, I can, I, I think I'm feeling confident enough to do, to do a, you know, maternal incubation. Um, I love seeing the pictures, but for me, it's just not an experience. I, I feel I need, not, nothing I need to feel like I need to experience personally. Right. <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah. I will, um. I will say that that was a very good point that you brought up when you uh, had that. I, nobody ever uh, brought up that point about the uh, Python boom in the uh, in the '90s from discovering how to artificially incubate. Um, mm-hmm. But I just heard that I, I, you know I, the only reason I brought it up is because when I heard your analogy about the you know digital as opposed right. to listen to a record, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, oh but, uh, god oh and if you listen to gtp keeper radio once in a while maybe you'd know what yeah. we were talking about throw us a bone <laughs> owen for god's sake oh, bone, man. oh you're gonna do me like that on air all right well. yeah i mean there's just a podcast app you just have to push subscribe get, to gtp get, get, keeper radio room. mom and dad are gonna fight in a minute just said <laughs> and, go to your room don't listen to what's about to happen. So, yep. And, and you can listen to what's going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyhow. Well, we'll end on ICAST because that's what Bill told me okay. to bring up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll end on ICAST. Of the, what's of happening? The, of the three people who put together ICAST, uh, uh-huh. there, are, there are two of us that are interested we actually started looking at venues, and we got the process underway, and we just our lives kind of had gotten busy, and we haven't communicated back and forth. But I will say that you know the 
the thought and the idea is it's still there. It's still we were thinking awesome. maybe 2017. I don't know whether that's still going to happen because we are already close to being one year away from where it would be um, right. mm-hmm. to do that possibility. Um, mm-hmm. So we're trying to – so what our goal was uh, our major our major cost was the, the, the renting of the space. So we're, right. we're we're trying to find a place that would be willing to let a bunch of snake nerds hang out and drink beer around the clock if they wanted to. Um, that is the difficulty yeah. we're having. Um, mm. the, the upside of the venue we had is that they were willing to give us the room for 24 hours, and we could you know pretty much do whatever we want as long as we didn't burn the place down. Um, so, Roger that. Right. So, so we're trying to we're trying to figure that out, and we're trying to actually um, move it closer to the. We want. We were thinking another thing would be having it closer to the airport, um, within maybe a you know a five mile radius of of the local airport, or the you know BWI airport, the local airport here. So, those are some of the things our our wishes that or you know goals that we would like to see happen um, and then we would go from there. Um, I do know the other person that is still interested in doing it. I know that his he's been doing snakes for a very long time and I think his interest is waning and um, so he is still well connected in the research community. Um, you know, he was the major connection to be able to bring you know, Daniel Latouche here um, and a couple other the folks that uh, presented. So he had, he just had those personal connections that I don't, I do not have. Um, so, but is it still a possibility? Yes, it is. Very nice. Hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, basically, that was, that we need very much fun. We need to basically pressure you more, buddy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we <laughs> do have to pressure me. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, we we. we yeah, you know, we we learned a lot from the person, and we and we knew that going in. We knew that, um, you know, this is going to be the you know the learning experience, the learning curve. Um, I I think it was a great experience for for us for the reptile community, and it was an arboreal symposium. But I think it was just a good good way to get people together. Um, and the our other fears too is that we we won't be able to. We have yeah. a reputation. Uh, sure. We, uh, you know, being able to recreate, to repeat it, yes, yep. In the way that it was done is, yeah. you know, it's going to be challenging. I mean, you know, we, you know, we've we've lost people since then. Um, yeah. People, you know, and not just, you know, but out of the hobby, people have moved away from the hobby that were instrumental, mm-hmm. that were important, and. Um, so that you know, that's our other fear too. Is you know, can we, can we we you know, it's talked about a lot. People think highly of it, and we would like to be able to come very close to to the first one. So some of the challenges we faced, um, but yeah, it's it's still a possibility. I remember, um, and you guys will all remember, at the end of ICAST last year, everybody was saying, "Let's do it again next year." You know, we got to do this yeah. again next year. And you know, you just step back and you go, "There is no way you could recreate you can this do that again." 
yeah. next year, yeah. maybe two years or five years, or, or maybe, you know, never, maybe you could never recreate it. And I understand that. Um, I don't know if fear is the right word, but the possibility that you could not live up to the expectations after the first one, it's daunting. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, we faced we that with uh, podcasts and carpet fests. Yeah. You know, it's yep. kind of like, yeah. how do you recreate Everything. that magic that happened? And you know, uh, but yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it's uh, you know in the works. I mean, it's it's able to happen. You just you know you have to. Yeah. I think uh, I think that you waited is another. You know, everybody's hungry for it. You know, which is going right. to yep. make more excitement. You know. Yep. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we we caught some flack from a few of the folks that were there because we had kind of set some rules. Like we, you know, we didn't want this to be. First off, I never ever wanted to run a reptile show in my life. That's, right. that wasn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, was, yeah. And said, I don't want to do a reptile show. That's not what I wanted. You know, we kind of incorporated that because we thought it would bring more people and it would just increase the value of of the whole event. And it did. I believe mm-hmm. it did. I mean, you know, sure. I would, I mean, there weren't a lot of animals there, but they were all quality animals that were there. Um, and, you know, everyone I talked to was like, yeah, you know, we sold a snake or two or some people sold five or six. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, you know, I was happy about that. And, um, but we did get some grief because we you know we said, hey, you know, we don't want all pythons, royal pythons. Um, <laughs> we don't want you know, we don't want leopard geckos. We don't want bearded dragons. I'm real yeah. sorry about that. Right. I'm, I'm no, sorry that no I one really, no one really picked up on you know. Of course, then I was kind of you know people were like, oh, you just you know you're a ball python person hater, which is is not the case. You know, I I'm, I don't hate ball pythons. I they're just, you know, they're just not. They can't. Uh, they're, they're, they're not. Well, a not boreal. well, yeah, they're. Well, they could be a boreal. They can. I'm yeah. curious they had I'm to. trying to help you. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just not what I. You know, you can go to, you know, almost any reptile show, and you can find great ball pythons, great bearded dragons, mm-hmm. great leopard geckos. You can go to almost any reptile show and find wild, horrible chondros. Um, so that was where the difference we wanted to make is that we wanted to be able to say, let's focus on the stuff that's out there that doesn't get much attention. And right. um, a, we had a, a few people that were really bitter that we we told them, no, don't bring ball by them. Um, so, really? Wow, they yeah. were that yeah. upset. Wow. Um, yeah, actually, I, I've lost a personal friendship over it, believe it or not. Uh, wow, it's hard, hardcore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Over you know, over really a snake show that was you know weekend long. Um, so you can go yeah. with any other show and and, and do those animals. Um, but that you know, so we caught some grief for that. And me, um, of course, you know, I was labeled as the guy who doesn't like ball pythons, which is not the case. I think they're cool animals. I just you know, they're just not what. I, it's not for you. I, yeah. You know, not, not for I me. Agree. If someone doesn't yeah. want to keep chondros because it's not for them, that's hey, that, right. that's your decision. I, and I completely respect it. And um, you know, I ask that people give me the same respect back. That's all. But yeah, so a lot of mm. stuff. Um, it is possible. I guess you know, maybe tomorrow I'll make a phone call. 
<laughs> Maybe. It worked, Bill. It worked. <laughs> I know. See, all you do is pressure him. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. All right. About. So tomorrow morning, everybody just message Buddy <laughs> saying, I yeah. can't. That's it. I can't. Barrage, Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. He'll have like 400 messages wrong? in his inbox like, you bastards. Darn <laughs> you. Greedy, ball-hating uh, bastard. There it is. Perfect. <laughs> Nice. Uh, so, uh, real quick before we get cut off, throw out your uh, your your info and your all anything you want to throw out. I got nothing. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Don't you don't you, you do nothing? a podcast or something? Isn't there? <laughs> yeah. This is this is not good, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Go, buddy. All right. So you can hear Bill and I. Talk Tondros at GTP Keeper Radio. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can like it. And we also put up when our shows are going to be. We try to do a show every six to eight weeks. Don't hold us to it. Um, I also have a website called GTPKeeper.com. Um, even if you don't like Condros, I would strongly suggest you look at the information and research page there. There's a lot of great stuff about chondros and other species that people may keep that they don't know is there. Um, I'm on Facebook, DTP Keeper, um, and then I'm also Buddy Buscemi on Facebook. So I try to keep as, uh, as, as many snakes off my profile as possible, my daily feed, um, but I DTP Keeper, you know, you can put pictures up or whatever you want on, my, on, on that, share stuff with me. Uh, and I'm on Moralia Pick of the Week, you know, probably three or four times a day looking at snake pictures. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> and, uh, Thanks, guys, for you, coming. See you at Tinley, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is true. Right? You will. Yeah. All right. All right. Look All right. forward to it, guys. All right. All right. Good night, guys. Have Thank a good you. one. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. See you guys. Bye. All right. Oh, and real quick, next week, Dennis McNamara is coming on. Uh, he's going to be joining us. 